Hello and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Kyle Hilliard. Hello, Ben. Sarah Podzorski. Hello. Kelsey Lewin. That's me. Welcome back, Kelsey. Well, yes, you've never been on this show, but you were on the deepest dive for Animal Crossing last year. Yeah, yeah. Have I never been on the show proper? I guess not. But yeah, anyways, I haven't. Yeah, but you're welcome here. Whenever you want. You're the Thank co-director you. of the Video Game History Foundation, uh, also the owner of Pink Gorilla Game Stores in Seattle. Is that the best way to frame that? Yeah. Awesome. And co-host of the Video Game History Hour podcast, which we've talked about before on the podcast here. It's uh, it's fantastic. Congratulations on getting that podcast off the Thank ground. Thank you. Um, but, Thank you. That's so nice. Yeah, but that's not it. We're also joined by... Nicole, how do you pronounce your last name? It's Zavalich. Zavalich. Welcome, Nicole. Mm-hmm. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan. And I'm also like, I used to have pink Godzilla merch from Seattle nice. like, before the name change. Oh. Like, like, I have it still. So like, that's, what a small world. <laughs> that's <laughs> wild. Yeah. Uh, Nicole, your voice might be familiar to people. Going back to the days of We Can Confirm, that's where I first heard you. When was that? I mean, A, what is time? Um, but B, um, like 2011 to 2013, I think. Oh, my God. Right? That sounds like years. That was so long ago. Uh, what have you yeah. been doing <laughs> since? What is your life like in a post-We Can Confirmed world? Because there's probably a lot of people that have been wondering what you've been doing. Yeah, so after Bacon Confirmed, I went to The Odd Gentleman, where I was a associate producer community manager on the newest King's Quest game um, that we made with Activision. And then after that, I wanted a break from gaming. Um, so I went to the what I thought would be a less toxic culture of zombies. And so I went to The Talking Dead for a few years, where I, I produced social and interactive elements for that show. Um, and then after that, I went to Stupid Buddy Studios, who they do Robot Chicken, and I did interactive and social for them. And then for the past three and a half years, I was at a uh, mobile company um, who are working on the, yeah, the mobile Tetris right now. Oh, yeah. um, and they laid me off last week. So I'm currently fun employed. Uh, what would you like to be doing if you want to look directly into the camera and just make the sales pitch of a lifetime? Oh, yeah. Um, I think that I'm just like really going to make the next big CW show. <laughs> So um, I'm just all about over dramatic nerdy teenagers. So that's just what my next path is going to be. So see you on the CW. This okay, fall. Yeah. cool. Look forward so to who it. Who may or may not be superheroes, <laughs> yeah. right? That's their big angle now. Yeah, Supergirl uh-huh, yeah. for a Superheroes and super teenagers. So just like okay. you're doing the pitch for me, really. Uh-huh. It'll work out. Uh, <laughs> well, you are all here to talk about Pokemon. Uh, this last, was it Friday, Saturday? It was Pokemon's 25th anniversary, so it's a real Pokemon panel here. We'll talk about the announcements, uh, some tidbits in there. Also, Kyle, you have finished playing Maquette, the new puzzle game, yes? Yeah, I finished it. Great. And last night. S- Sarah, will you be so kind as to talk about Valheim with me? Yeah, oh my god, yes. Okay, great, great, great. I will talk to you about Valheim whenever you want. <laughs> Perfect. And then we have some fun community questions after that. Um, But Pokemon, 25 years old. Um, Kelsey, as the certified historian of the group, do you feel like we fully understand the origins of Pokemon at this point? I mean, has Tajiri done that many interviews about the earliest, earliest days? Or are we all just going off that little factoid about uh, he liked catching bugs and then therefore Pokemon? You know, if you speak Japanese, it's all out there. Okay. Um, he's <laughs> he's really laid it all out. I think there's um, there's a book and I think like a 
mangaized version of the book. That's not a word, but I made oh, it a word. Right. You know what it means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think he's given a lot of interviews and a lot of it's been translated. And I don't know, you know, how correctly it's all been translated. That's impossible for me to say. But uh, yeah, you know, we I think we know the story. Yeah. It's there you- if you want to if you want to go digging for it. Right. And also we've been helped by a lot of uh Nintendo leaks <laughs> that have sort of filled in some of the gaps of, you know, some curiosities people have had maybe about it. Right. Even yeah, with that giggle leak last year is that crazy detail about they were floating the idea, at least there was a PowerPoint presentation about making a Pokemon MMO for the Nintendo Q. Is that how you pronounce it? The the Chinese console? The IQ. The IQ. Okay. Yeah, it's just yeah, some sort of like persistent world. I don't know if it was quite an MMO, but it was some sort of persistent world that was Pokemon based. And I mean, I don't know, like uh, lots of there's a lot of interesting things in there. If you go digging that I can't maybe just look at what's been reported on rather than doing the digging yourself, because I can't really endorse that. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh Nicole, yeah, so how's you your oh, yeah. what they said about Tajiri when we went on that that trip to the Game Freak to talk to them? No, what'd they say? They be, we wanted to talk to him and they were like, oh, he's not available. And I was like, Well, what is he doing these days? And they were like, Well, he's doing a lot of media research. Oh, that's and I was right. like, Okay. And then I remember like coming home binge like, watching. <laughs> Doesn't that just mean like watching TV? I mean, by all means, he certainly has the legacy to just sit around and watch TV all he wants. Like, absolutely. <laughs> but as far as I understand, after Gen 3, he just kind of went on vacation. and Hell yeah, do that. Might still be on vacation. I, yeah, I don't blame the guy. Yeah. Like, there, was a, there was some funny thing where he's like, oh, I'm researching new places for the next Pokemon game. I'm like, that just looks like going on vacation. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. yeah, I went to London for six months and uh, the Gala region just came to me. <laughs> Eureka, it could be here right now. Uh, Nicole, 25 years in, how's your Pokemon fandom going? <laughs> Um, stronger than ever. Oh, good. Um, yeah, like a lot. So I'm, I'm a lifer. Um, you know, Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow have done every, every iteration. Uh, Pokemon Snap, Pokemon, um, Coliseum. I have two transfer packs still. Um, yeah. So this is Dragonite, you know, just, you know, saying hi. All right. Um, and no, lifelong, huge, hardcore into it as a Jigglypuff stuffed animal on my bed right now. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm not as stoked for the big announcements as I wanted to be, just saying it. Really? We yeah. Can, we can get into it. What about them? Well, I just, well, first of all, I, you know, felt that like I've given my life to Nintendo in a way that surely they could feel that. And uh-huh. they knew that I didn't have a job this week. And it would have been so sick if they were like... And you know what? Today we're releasing the original Pokemon Snap. And so like a part of me was hoping when that like announcement for like the 25th anniversary was going to happen, we would get some sort of today announcement or some something big and like tangible for the day. And so that didn't happen and that bummed me out. But then like I just feel like shiny pearl and glimmering. Please, brilliant like diamond. diamond. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Um, Ethically sourced diamond, um, I think is going to be 
it just it doesn't look as upraised as I had hoped. It looks right. more like they added a layer of extra pixels to the pixel the ten pixels they had. <laughs> and I was really hoping for something more more in the visuals of Pokemon Let's Go Eevee of Sword and Shield, something a little more um, you know, current. Yeah, well let's unpack this. Okay, so they announced the remake of Diamond and Pearl, the first DS Pokemon games, and it's brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl here coming out uh later this year. And the visuals are really bizarre. Like the most confusing thing to me is it looks like the battles still have the same art style as like the Let's Go series. But then outside of the battles, uh, Sarah, how do they look? How would you describe what that thing looks like? I like it kind of looks like um, like Playmobil. Like the little Playmobil people <laughs> right, that right. you would play with as a kid and they make them nice and blocky so like babies can hold them. <laughs> But I'm glad that we're kind of returning to, like, I was nostalgic for the top-down Pokemon look. Right. I was nostalgic for that, for, like, with Sword and Shield. So I'm glad they're going back to that, but I don't know. This isn't the direction I would have gone when it comes to art style. I wrote down shiny and round when I was looking. (laughs) I'm like, it's just... I like the the top-down and kind of chibi-ish style, but it's... The Playmobil thing is spot-on. Like, it... (laughs) It looks like a like a shiny child toy, and not in like because Link to the uh, or sorry Link's Awakening right, the right remake of that one also sort of has that going on, but it's beautiful. So I don't. <laughs> yeah, certainly. What if I you're saw gonna it, do that, you gotta I don't know stylize it a little bit more. You gotta have kind of that tilt shift or something that Link's Awakening had right. going for it. I think is the is the key difference. It's almost like it's like a third person versus a top down, and like. Just like that simple camera angle shift, like makes you feel more in the world. Um, for me, anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's I also totally a color it. thing too. I didn't think the color. Like I thought the colors were all extremely saturated and bright. And it's Pokemon. It's- hey, what are you gonna do? But um, yeah. So yeah, it's cool <laughs> that we're getting the remake of Diamond Pearl. Fans have wanted it for a long time. So it's being developed by ILCA. Ilka? I don't know exactly how they pronounce it, but I looked it up, Kyle, and apparently the development studio Ilka, it stands mm. for I Love Computer Art. So okay. please remember that. Um, and I they, Love you, MS Paint was taken. <laughs> <laughs> you have the funniest, the funniest sort of reaction to the art style to me because people are down on it. Like I'm, I'm kind of like, I, I think it looks cute. I, I'm not too heard about it one way or another, but I was at Target doing like my weekly grocery shopping was not wearing anything video game related, was not buying anything video game related, and the the young guy at the Target checkout counter, I was just buying groceries. He's like, hey, what do you think of that new Pokemon art style? What? <laughs> it's like, and I was like, do I just look like a Pokemon fan to you? I mean, you <laughs> do. He took one look at you, and he was like, this guy knows. <laughs> I don't know. And, I don't know if maybe he like recognized me from shopping there previously, but just to me that said so much about it that I was like, this guy in public is even just like wants to talk about how he doesn't like the art style, you know, which is so odd to me. I really thought it was wow. going to be mobile as well, like especially when the text popped up. I think there's only like one text window, and it just says like thud, and the text window's like the size of half the screen. I'm like, okay, that clearly means it's coming to mobile, but at least according to this, still just switch. But it would be a smart move to release on mobile too if they ever would want to. The text box kind of is misleading because that's sort of a like a memorable dumb part of the game. Oh, okay. Where there's a loud like he runs into you and there's a thud. Okay, so it's not actually. I, that I don't big. think that I don't think you can say definitively that that's like the text box size or see 
Kelsey, this is why you're here. This is why you're a genius historian. (laughs) You know all of these things. Um, Also, speaking of... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just had to... (laughs) No, I love it. Um, By the way, this is a super deep cut, so just because you're a historian doesn't mean that uh, you have to know all these names. But it said it was being co-directed by Yuichi Ueda. And at least according to, like, Moby Games, I don't know how much stock he put in them, but apparently he goes way back, and he was, like, a programmer on the Batman game from 1989 that Sunsoft made and stuff like that, but it seems like a real old-timer. But they also say this being co-directed by Masuda that's working on this. I think it's kind of just trying to put some Game Freak stamp on it, saying, oh, no, we got the real deal. Masuda's going to oversee this thing. Don't worry about it. Um, But still, exciting to go back, I guess. Wait. This is this. This might be a dumb question. I mean, hasn't Game Freak developed all these, or is is this the first like outside developer coming in to do a remake, or have they have others been remade by others than Game Freak? I think it's always been Game Freak that's been doing it, just like a different team within Game Freak. So yeah, it definitely is because they haven't really done very many remakes. Yeah, that loves computer art because like even like the Pokemon Yellow and Silver remakes that I think came out. What did they release those on? Like the 3DS? Well, the like those were just ones? straight yeah. ports. And so like there hasn't been a ton of opportunity or need for outside developers, I feel like. And then I'm sure Game Freak, you know, don't they own it pretty much with Nintendo? So they have some, they have their hands in every game in some capacity. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the ownership yeah. of Pokemon is one of those questions that is still mind boggling, even though, yeah, I've been to Game Freak twice. And Kyle, you wrote that article specifically about who owns yeah. Pokemon. It was very nice to like sit down with them and be like, please explain this to us. They pulled out a whiteboard and drew a Venn diagram. And I still couldn't definitively answer the question. <laughs> I think is that so, right here, guys. They yeah. literally drew out a Venn diagram for you. Yeah. That's who I owns Pokemon. Oh, right. Nicole's heart, of course. No, so <laughs> Kyle, I, I went and looked it up in the magazine just to go back and check like, yeah, who does own Pokemon? And it said Nicole's heart. It's Which, weird, but, yeah. um, you know, we got some good contracts in real early in the project. <laughs> and I want to thank my lawyers for just really fighting for me. Yeah, thank they you. did it. They did it. Thanks uh, for keeping the franchise So were you behind, really? were you behind that thing where they renamed Topeka, Kansas to Topeka, Kansas for a day? Because that was a really good touch. <laughs> I fought for just straight on Togepi, Kansas. And so that was actually a compromise. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but technically, so it is Game Freak, Creatures, and Nintendo all co-own the Pokemon IP. And then they created the Pokemon Company in 1999, I believe. And then mm-hmm. the producing role transitioned at that point from Creatures, which mainly focuses on the cards, to Pokemon Company. But Kyle, thinking more about that trip, um, the first trip out there was a lot about like the history of Pokemon. I am still trying to wrap my mind around the success of Pokemon out of the gate, where I went back and and checked some data. In the first year after Pokemon uh, released in the States, Pokemon grossed $5 billion, which apparently was almost as much as the entire game industry combined. Yet this thing that blows my mind is talking to Game Freak. Do you remember they were talking about gold and silver? And they're like, yeah, we were developing gold and silver and we just ran out of money. Like Game Freak was really broke. So we had to do a bunch of other projects for other publishers to try and make money. But I just cannot imagine how that works with how much money Pokemon has made. And it kind of goes into the larger theme of Pokemon, I think, which is like Game Freak is the creative powerhouse fueling this entire engine. And there's all these slices of the pie that other companies are taking away. And yet at the same time, Game Freak still feels like this small little independent studio and they prefer having small teams they don't want to blow anything out when it's the biggest property on earth it's just mind-boggling yeah it's weird for sure 
Yeah. And I think that it would be totally different if it were like an American based company. Mm. Like, I don't think that, I don't think that it would, the quality of it wouldn't have been the focus. It would have been, how can we make as much money as humanly possible? Not that, you know, Pokemon aren't on every piece of merchandise possible, right? but I do feel like they took care because they have smaller teams and because they take this brand so seriously, they've had such quality control over their products in, in a way that is, it's pretty rare. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's true. I mean, Pokemon company releases some of those mobile games that are a little bit like magic carp jump was true, true, fine, true. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, fair, fair. <laughs> I mean, there is a it lot was of a good like, fans yeah. know when it's, core Pokemon and spin-off. Like there's, you know what I mean? There's no confusion there really. Right, right. Well, it's like the core games that get people to love the franchise and then go buy all the other crap. Like buy, you know, just infinite plushies and shirts and it, all the merch that kind of keeps making money forever. You have to have the good game behind that or the the game that is, I don't know. It, I honestly like I love Pokemon, but I think it's less about the games being super good and more about them being really good at capturing imaginations and mm. like making you feel excited to be a part of this world. Yeah. Is that fair? No, I think I think that's I think, so. I think that's correct. Yeah, every time I play Pokemon, it's definitely the idea of playing Pokemon is always more exciting than <laughs> going through these battles and leveling up these fools again and again and again. I mean, when I die and my life flashes before my eyes, it's just gonna be like talking to a professor in a Pokemon game. I feel like I've played that same intro 3,000 times <laughs> yeah. at this part. You white it out. <laughs> yes, exactly. You can't get away from it. <laughs> um, does anybody have any... I mean, clearly you know it, Kelsey, but does anybody have any big defining memories of Diamond and Pearl? I mean, for me, I love Pokemon. I've played and finished all of them except for Black and White, which I understand is sacrilegious. But Diamond and Pearl just felt like a fine iteration. You know, it was like the first DS one, so they were pushing the bottom screen so hard for all the different apps. And I remember you could have like a calculator in Pokemon in case you needed that. But does anybody have any strong affection towards Diamond and Pearl? I wouldn't say it's a strong affection. So, oh. I have one bad memory. I'll just get out, get out of it and then, then we can like go into how much you guys enjoy it. Because uh -huh. I'm just going to say that the Master Ball, getting the Master Ball in that game, you go into like some kind of base and you can leave the base without getting the Master Ball and then the, the base goes away or something. Oh, so like, no. I remember I played that game and I missed out on the Master Ball somehow and it destroyed me and I just, I never recovered. And not as a Pokemon <laughs> player, as a person. So, okay, you guys this turn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't think I finished Diamond yeah. Pearl. I think that was one of the few Pokemon games that I had to get all the way to the end. This is like, okay, so this proves the point that I was going to bring in today, which is that I think we are all at the, so every one of us here played the original Pokemon games. You're, we're Gen 1ers or whatever. Like we've started from the beginning. Okay. That's because now we're, we're old here. enough to have been born and you know around when those games were around for people slightly younger than us this is like one of their favorite games yeah yeah and for people our age and older diamond and pearl were okay well you think we about how many they had i mean i think they had some pacing issues and it was that was i don't the, know the it was thing was the double game. map right like you had Sinnoh. You know, was that what was like diamond and pearl's thing did it have like a really big map like map with a big mountain in the middle. Yeah, and, and I was like, silver and gold had the two maps. Too damn big. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> but I think you're right. I mean, it's it's shocking that like how many people had this be their first Pokemon game. But it's like you look at how many copies this thing sold. It is millions and millions and millions of people. This was their first Pokemon game. So they're... I think it's the third best selling in the franchise. Just because DS numbers were off the charts. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So the DS was like the first handheld for an enormous amount of people, or at least the first handheld they got really into. You know, every, yeah. I think everyone knows the DS is like the best-selling handheld of all time. Um, so for those people, like, this is the Pokemon game. And I think we are just all the incorrect age yep. to have that experience. Yeah. Can we I mean, all also, name, like, the first our one with the Pokemon online games? connectivity, too. Yeah, I'm more interested in yes. Sarah's question. Uh, yeah. You're asking, what is, what is the Pokemon game for us? Yeah. I mean, it's always tempting to go with the first, but probably it was Pokemon Silver for me because I was I was so looking forward to it. That was probably the first instance of like really getting into games and really anticipating something. And I was just a, a terrible, um, amoral child. And so I would always download like the Japanese ROMs. And so I was looking forward to it so much to be like, okay, we have the ROM just dropped for Pokemon Silver. It's now 10% translated. So I'd play that up until it all just went apart. And I don't know what anybody was saying. And then it was like, okay, we had a new version that's 35% translated. So I download that and play through it and just like kept going through these different iterations. So like Pokemon Silver, especially the beginning of Silver is in my soul and I can't let it out. Oh, you ruined it for yourself. <laughs> no, it's still good. Don't worry. <laughs> um, that's actually, other than the, the pirating part, that's almost identical to, to me. I mean, obviously, the first one is the one that kind of captures the imagination. So for me, that was uh, Pokemon Blue. But um, yeah, Pokemon Gold and Silver, um, I played Silver first. And I think that's, I mean, that's still my favorite generation. But I was also living in uh, a town near Detroit called Novi at the time, which for whatever reason had a very high uh Japanese population and so I actually had classmates that had Pokemon stuff early oh, um no. so I got to see a little bit of it beforehand but they were you know they're kind of stingy with it they're like mm, no <laughs> I, I, I really had to wait for it to come out and also I didn't understand Japanese so wait. I didn't spoil it for myself too much oh my god that's amazing do you remember if they had stuff even before like blue came out then uh I was not living there at that okay. time yet Okay, because that would. Be, I only lived. I only lived there for like two or three years. Right, right, yeah, that would be amazing. Because I just remember that era too. There were so many rumors floating around about Pokemon. I remember, you know, a friend adamantly arguing, like, "No, I caught Pika Blue. There is a Pokemon called Pika Blue, and I caught it in red and green, or you know, uh, blue and red." I was like, "There's no such thing." And now it's like, is this just like a weird game of telephone where somebody saw a picture of Meryl? Like in Japan, and then called it Pika Blue. I just there's so many weird American stories sources like that. called it Pika Blue. What's that? American sources called it Pika Blue. Oh, so that was actually a thing that was written somewhere in America, just looking at a picture of Meryl. It was written in magazines in America. It was written, yeah, like a bunch of times. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if at one point Meryl's name was going to be Pika Blue. Like that might have actually come from the top. <laughs> Yeah, maybe my friend actually caught him. You know, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, um, what do you think, uh, Sarah, is like the most underrated Pokemon thing? Pokemon piece of my media. My underrated Pokemon yeah. thing? Um, I have a really soft spot for Pokemon Channel that nobody <laughs> liked. I have like this the softest spot for Pokemon Channel, and the entire game was on the Nintendo GameCube, and all you did was all you watched was you just watched TV with Pikachu. 
you sat in a room and you watched TV with Pikachu. They had a shopping channel. They had a workout channel. Um, you could watch episodes of the Pichu Bros, like actual television episodes of Pichu Bros. Uh, Wait, what is that? The live action? It was like an anime. It was like a little short story anime in the same style as the Pokemon anime about two Pichu brothers who just kind of got into all types of trouble. And they had a little gang. It was like no humans involved. It was just like a Pokemon anime about Pokemon. Perfect. <laughs> that sounds ideal. Kelsey, so get- Pokemon Pokemon Channel. I, I'm sorry to keep butting in, but I have a good uh, I have a good anecdote about this, and I Please. brought it over just in case Pokemon Channel comes up. Do you have up. Pokemon Channel? But that what you're holding in your hand? So this is the <laughs> Japanese version. But I have a fun piece of trivia about this because that's that's what I do. Just annoying about dumb trivia. Um, so there is a an accessory in Japan called the GameCube SD card reader. And uh, I've got one right here for anyone who's watching this on, on YouTube or whatever. But it's like a memory card that has a little SD card slot in it. Um, and it's not a real memory card. It doesn't save like your games. It actually only works with two games, and one of them is Pokemon Channel, and Hell it just yeah. lets you like you know the coloring program in there. Yeah, it just like you lets you do... take screenshots of that so you can print it. That's nice. it. <laughs> See, I could never print it. I just colored and it disappeared forever. <laughs> <laughs> All so, the data is erased at this point. World's most useful or useless accessory, depending on who you ask. That's such a weird detail. Um, <laughs> Did anybody ever check out that Pokemon Origins series on YouTube from a couple years ago? It was surprisingly cool where they like readapted the first games, um, but as just like a four or five part YouTube series. And it was like weird and kind of violent, like Charmander was like biting off Pikachu's face. It kind of like got back in that same mold as like the original manga, which is also weirdly aggressive and they're like slicing Arbok in half and stuff and that but it's cool and they still have it up on their YouTube channel it's, and they have like the soundtrack from the games in there instead of just you know the anime stuff but it's that's probably my favorite under the radar Pokemon thing I, I like that well it's a good answer mine was wholesome yeah watch TV with Pikachu you're just like remember when it was violent yeah sometimes you could cut up Pokemon that when was things really were better days. there actually is like a weird thing too there's another YouTube series called Pokemon Generations which is like the grittiest version of Pokemon I've ever seen where they have this one episode like the fourth episode or something and it's just like a SWAT team raiding like this Team Rocket base but it's bizarre because it's like Machoke like kicking down a door it is like basically the end of Zero Dark Thirty except with Pokemon and it is freaking weird. I love it. Like I could barely handle Charmander in the rain. And <laughs> like what what is this? <laughs> Sadness is a concept. I don't know. Nicole, does anything jump out to you for underrated Pokemon thing? Well, I'll say that to jump back to my favorite Pokemon. Yeah. I'm with you guys. Pokemon Silver was my favorite. And I'm sure it's the same thing where it was just, you know, Pokemon Red, Blue, Yellow taught us what it was. And then Silver Gold was when we anticipated it. And then the thing about Silver and Gold was that it had two worlds. Right. So it was like the first time where I got two games and I didn't know it. Like That felt like a value as like a 12-year-old or however old I was. Don't do the math. Um and so that was exciting. Um, underrated. I think that it's so fun to play Pokemon Stadium has the transfer pack, but you could do it where you could play the Pokemon games on your TV. Like that was revolutionary. Um, and right. so I would play my Game Boy games on my TV. And like that was 
How cool is that? That is there. awesome. That is a cool little yeah. detail for sure. Um, yeah. Hey, did anybody uh, watch that weird Post Malone concert? I did. <laughs> what do you think of Jammed it, Jammed out for 15 minutes. That was my <laughs> underrated Pokemon thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, Kyle, guess right now how many YouTube views that has on the Pokemon oh. channel. Uh, seven, 800,000. Oh. 20 million. 20 million, says Nicole. Any other guesses? Million. Sarah, freaking nail it. 2.1 million. Hello, I work in social media. Very like, impressive. I know what the numbers are going to be. That's honestly lower than I was expecting. Like, I know it's not fair to compare everything to Fortnite, but I looked up just like the most, some unofficial version of the Travis Scott concert in Fortnite. It's at 138 million. And so maybe this will grow or something, but like they really went all out with the production. It's just like a 20 minute animated film, basically, mm -hmm. with Post Malone flying around a Pokemon world. Walking in a circle. I was like, why does he keep walking in a circle? <laughs> yeah. It's also ignoring all the cool Pokemon around him. Like, yeah, I was like, Star's always like flying get... in circles around him, and he's just like, whatever. <laughs> Lugia, <laughs> like, I'm like, that's legendary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Audrey, friend of the show, uh, she made a lot of min-max merch for the Deepest Dive and stuff like that. She tweeted something that I had to, I didn't believe it was real, but I went back and checked the concert, and there's like, this moment in that concert where the the lyrics are, thought you were special, but it was just the sex, though. The sex, though. And then at that moment, like a, moment, like a Lugia flies by. Yeah. <laughs> it should distract the children. <laughs> you so heard something real? legendary. Is there really the word sex in the Pokemon yes. song? Yes. Yes. Why I'm, did they pick that? Like, it's not like Hootie and the Blowship, Hootie and the Blowfish makes sense for Pokemon. Right. Like, what? I don't know. Maybe they just. Poke Malone? It was like the softest song or something that he could possibly sing. I don't know. It was a weird choice. Um, okay. We should probably talk about the other big announcements from the rest Wait, of the I thing. just want to say that the my Katie favorite Perry Pokemon song? game oh, yeah. is Sapphire. I just, my favorite Pokemon game is Sapphire. Okay. I'm going to just hmm. divert. Please. I'm a zillennial. I stake my claim on Pokemon Sapphire. <laughs> what is it about Sapphire other than the soundtrack? I mean, I think it was just um, my first hand. Sapphire. Was, yeah. Yeah. Was Game Boy Advance. And I played Pokemon Silver, Pokemon Gold, Pokemon Blue on my Game Boy Advance. Yeah. I didn't have a Game Boy Color, never owned one. Uh, but Pokemon Sapphire was the first Game Boy Advance game. And that was the game that I, like, stayed awake under my covers for with my little Game Boy Advance light to play, like, late into the night. So that just hit me at, like, my Pokemon age of, like, 12. Yeah. And yeah. you guys probably all played Silver. Yeah. And I will say that I played Pokemon Leaf Green when it came out when I was in my, like, 20s. Yeah. Um... Again, don't do that math. Mm -hmm. um, but like, that was fun. Like, that was really fun because it was like an updated version of the red and blue, but I was an adult now. And so like, I really appreciated all the upgrades they made and all of the, it, the upgrade to the animation. And the animation to Leaf Green looks very similar to the uh, Pearl and Diamond remakes. <laughs> yeah, kind of the same ballpark. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah, do you remember Kyle... Um, talking to Masuda at Game Freak about developing Ruby and Sapphire in particular. And he was talking about yeah, like... It was, it was the most stressful one for them, I think, right? Yeah, he, it said that it almost killed him literally. Like he was working so hard and they were they were worried because the storyline was Pokemon's dead, it's not coming back. It turns out it was a fad before Ruby and Sapphire came out. And so Game Freak was like, well, we're going to prove the world wrong. We're going to kill ourselves <laughs> trying to make this game. And then Masuda ended up in the hospital because of what he just said was like stomach issues while trying to develop that game because it was so stressful for them. But they did it, wow. and then little baby Sarah got to play it. So I it all it. works out. Mm -hmm. Your Pokemon I, game. 
I really like the uh, region in that mm-hmm. game. I mean, sure, there's too much water or whatever, but like <laughs> the actual cities in there are really pretty and like uh, just the the part where you're running around and collecting all the ash off of the the grass and stuff. I mean, I don't know. All those things are just very mm-hmm. like nice and pretty, and I still yeah. the is that where the- they introduced dive. As a yes. HM, yeah. so there was dive was introduced. Um, the beauty contests were introduced, which I really enjoyed. Big I like that too. Apparently, really people that. hated that. No, yeah, I, loved I couldn't. It. I liked the idea of it, but then my repeated failed execution of somehow feeling like I was making my Pokemon <laughs> uglier, like made me feel like this is not for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, Nicole, what do you think about uh, what do you think about that new Pokemon Snap trailer? Um, you know, I honestly just wanted the remake. I want the original yeah. one. Like, I want it. Um, I have it for the N64. I don't know why I need it again, but I do. Um, I thought it looked yeah, great. Break, break I thought out the that Wii U. the I think the eShop's yeah. still online. That's true. It. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I thought that it looks really pretty. Um, I'm excited about the graphics. I'm excited to like time myself like I used to, and like, can I get everything in an hour? Can I get to Celebi in an hour? Um, I'm excited. <laughs> Yeah, I was really struck by just a lot of weird details in there. Uh, like, they throw an apple, but then they make it very clear that it's not an apple, it's a fluff fruit. And then my world was turned upside down, like, wait, were they fluff fruits the entire time and we all just called them apples in the original? No, I think they were apples and pester balls. Oh, right, definitely pester balls. I actually balls. think they weren't called apples. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, they, maybe it just they look exactly in, like, like... 2016, I, I, I played it. And I remember, I kind of have a memory of that being a strange thing about it. Weird. Yeah, maybe in the introduction like to, they call it that. I like to keep all of uh, the professor's like um, one-liners from that game. Like I just use them all the time. Like, oh, you were close. Like those kind of things. <laughs> like I use back. that a lot. Yes, exactly. It's timeless stuff. Well, now, now you <laughs> yeah. have the precious Professor Mirror to help you out. The guy who looks uh, strangely like Kyle Hilliard. Maybe that's what the target guy saw. I'm in the game. Is he looks so much like that weird <laughs> professor that he just assumed he knew all about the remakes. Um, but they also have other stuff mm-hmm. like uh, you can, what, make Pokemon glow with magical orbs so they look cool at night and weird stuff like that. But I am really curious to see what like the social aspect is for this. Like they are a little bit cagey about it they say hey if your photo becomes popular it might even be featured somewhere and so i'm curious like and then the messaging they used was and you can we want you to come back and see your scores and try harder and it was like did a game developer write this pr copy like this is just how this is just what your game core loop is like (laughs) that's not pr (laughs) i thought it was so weird (laughs) it was bizarre yeah but the the cool thing in this one they say that like the pokemon's behaviors will change and stuff as you get better scores as you move on so it's nice to have some feedback there but yeah i'm still looking forward to it. it's coming out april 30th but I really liked what they they showed um, really quickly, like that every Pokemon seems to have a spot for four pictures for the four different star levels. Right. So and I think they again, it's kind of vague, but like it kind of looks like they all correlate to different behaviors. So it's like, OK, every Pokemon can do four different things. Right. So maybe there's like a base, you know, just whatever you're catching them walking doing whatever and then there's different things you can like set up and get different shots so i don't know that that kind of i like that because it's like okay i got this cool shot but that was only the three star shot so what's the right 
what if I get a polka flute? Like, what is that shot going to be? Yeah. <laughs> completely different. Um, but yeah, the big... Um, oh, yes, Kyle. By the way, apples in the game, as far as I can tell, were referred to, referred to as Pokemon food. I don't think they were ever called apples in the <laughs> what? game. What? Okay. But Pokemon yeah. food, don't eat one. not Poke food. food. Correct me, but... <laughs> There's one Wikipedia article here that refers to it as apple-shaped Pokemon food. <laughs> so... I love Accurate. apple-shaped Pokemon food. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the big... It looks exactly like an apple. <laughs> so familiar. apple-shaped Pokemon. But yeah, the big <laughs> reveal from this freaking stream was Pokemon Legends Arceus. Uh, the Pokemon Breath of the Wild game that fans have been demanding for, I'd say, four years now. Um, ever since Breath of the Wild came out. Almost to the day of recording. <laughs> but realistically, I guess just like fully open-world Pokemon is something that people have been screaming for for... 20 of its 25 years i think now um yeah. kyle what'd you think of that well, i'm excited for it it's the thing that i'm most interested in in playing for sure like I, I i probably won't touch the diamond and pearl remake um but that yeah that's what i want i just want to be able to run around i want to be able to actively throw pokeballs without entering a menu like that seems great yeah like them changing up obviously not having ui on the screen is tough to figure out exactly what's going on in a lot of situations yeah. but there's a couple weird things right. like the fact that they call it an action rpg i'm curious what that means and then they also have the dodge roll in there where it's like what are we dodging and they showed us three <laughs> different ways of capturing pokemon there was like or at least interacting with them there was just throwing the ball there was yeah. just sending your pokemon over to kick it and then there was fighting like in a, a traditional more traditional battle yeah. and yeah. so like i don't it's unclear how that's going to work, and then how is that communicated to me if there's no UI? And so I'm wondering, did they announce that the UI is for real, not there? Or no, is this just, no. I think it's just this in the temporary trailer. game footage. I mean, yeah, that, yeah, they okay. probably just stripped it out to look nicer. Yeah. But I also, the other thing I like about it is going into the past of that world. I mean, that's such a fun thing that they rarely do. Pokemon Conquest is mm-hmm. the only one that I can think of the that weird like DS game. went back in time. So like I that 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 was easily the thing I was most excited about from that whole presentation. Like it was. It's it's like what I want from Pokemon, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's in the Sinnoh we'll region. It on, we'll see if it lives up to that. But on, on yeah. paper, it's what I, you know. Because so like, I have a question for you about that. So you like the idea of it going back in time and exploring that that idea. From the trailer, it kind of just seemed like the architecture of the village was retro. Um, and their their costumes were kind of were, were more ancient as well. Are there other elements other than those like two aesthetic um, choices that you're looking for the pokeballs look like they're made of wood and they actually have a metal clasp on them that you have to like it looks like you manually it's like a little zipper unless unless i'm misremembering it seems like they were pretty clear that it was they didn't they state that this is like a historical pokemon game or oh no they absolutely did yeah 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 it's a weird thing where it's in Sinnoh, but then they say like, ah, there's one town and people came from all over the world. And that's why the starters are Cyndaquil, Rowlet, and Oshawott. Just like, ah, let's just get some new ones. And people online are trying to speculate about why those three. And they say like, oh, their evolutions kind of look ancient. is <laughs> like the best fan theory, which sure. Um, but that is like the weird thing where we wanted open world Pokemon for so long. We got the wild areas, you know, not too long ago. And then with this, it's like, this is really exciting. And I just worry a little bit about okay, is it just going to be the one town? We're not going to have gyms. Like, I'm excited for them to shake it up, but I think we should all keep our expectations in check. Like, what if it is just, like, this one town, and then you can go out into this decent-sized world and catch Pokemon and come back, and it's not as rich of an experience as we were hoping for? I mean, So I, I got my, my hot take here. 
is that people don't actually want what, I mean, you can say whatever, like we want Pokemon Breath of the Wild, we want blah, blah, blah. No, what, what people want is we want Pokemon to be real. We want there to be <laughs> a world that exists yeah. that actually looks like it is a real lived in world that Pokemon are existing in. Like, um, I don't know about you guys, but Detective Pikachu, that movie, that really did that for me. That was like, <laughs> that was like, oh, this is what a world with Pokemon in it would look like. And so I think it's less about it being like Breath of the Wild with a Pokemon skin and more of it being just getting to Immersive. play around in a world where it actually looks like Pokemon and people exist together in this world. And what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your behaviors are more in line with what your behaviors would be like in real life. You know, like you would just throw the Pokeball, you know? So I think that yeah. that element also lets you pretend in that more fun way. I mean, I just, I just want to walk East and see what I find, which is not <laughs> yeah, what yeah, you yeah. can do in Pokemon. I mean, you really Come on an Ambi you know? Turner. <laughs> yeah. Like I, and I, I, I hope, I mean, my, my, as I was watching, I was like, please show someone jumping off a cliff and grabbing onto like Pidgey's foot or something. So, <laughs> just like, like the full paraglider? down to the ground, you know? Like, Man, I would not I just want to be able it. to go anywhere I want, any direction at any time, you know? I mean, the amount... If, if traveling is fun, then I'm sold. Yes. Like, if just mm-hmm. walking exactly. around and climbing and traveling... Like, I mean, that's what Breath of the Wild is, right? Like, it's to me, it's way less about any of the dungeons and stuff in that game and more about the fact that climbing and gliding and all that stuff is fun. Just coming across stuff. You know, yeah. and if that's you guys, different Pokemon, hell yeah. Did you guys play the DLC for um, Sword and Shield? No, I didn't. Armor Island and the Frozen Tundra? I played both of those, and they're both open-world expansions right. in, in the same way that the wild area is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that, that it, you know, there's not climbing or gliding in that sense, but there's diving and uh, surfing. Um, but, like, that area is, we have the hills and dungeons, and there's, like, water and tundra and like there is a bunch of environments and you do get that wild area feel and it feels much more real and lived in than the wild area itself um so yeah. i think that if that is what they're going to build off of for the for the legends game yeah that could be pretty exciting because they do set up that world in a really interesting way where there are pokemon just popping up and and lots of materials everywhere um I could imagine there being um, an element where you collect materials to make your Pokeballs, stuff like that. Right. Ooh, some sort of crafting there. Yeah, that could be interesting. I was just amazed, like, how hard they were hitting the Breath of the Wild. Like, that one shot of, like, the camera flying by. It's unbelievable. Even, like, the the soundtrack. Yeah, it's just, like, this weird subdued cello. It's like, oh, my God, they're making it very clear what their inspiration is, which I guess it's a smart move based on the sales of both things. And now you combine them. It's got to be double that, right? And also all the other Breath of the Wild clones, right? Right. I mean, there's also been a couple Mm -hmm. of those that have done really well. Yeah. Yeah. And then Breath of the Wild, arguably, cloned a bunch of elements from other games that are still, you know, rocking. Skyrim, Monster Hunter, all those kind of elements. Right, right. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up Monster Hunter. I'm curious if, like, what the Pokemon series is going to be like moving forward, if it is going to be a little bit of that Monster Hunter vein of... I guess now with uh, Rise, they're kind of trying to align things more. But before, it's like, okay... Is this going to be a Monster Hunter game in the scale of world, or is it going to be more like a 3DS and actually have different regions? And so I'm just wondering how they handle that with the Pokemon series. Is it going to be the Legend series ongoing, are kind of this freeform, freaky, and then we'll also have the faithful, probably remakes, right? Where it's like, okay, we're going to keep the remake train a rolling for the classic fans that aren't into the more exploration I hope so, focus. because in X and Y, like, the one of the big plot point in X and Y is they keep alluding to the ancient Pokemon wars. 
yeah. that occurred. Like the the biggest plot point in X and Y is like the they keep alluding to these Pokemon wars, and I don't think we're gonna get that in this version because this is obviously more like feudal Japan and like X and Y was set in France. Yeah, but I do hope that they dig into that because they kept referencing this great Pokemon war. I'm just like, where? Where is it? Sounds awesome. Would love to see it. Yeah, that was the weird thing. It's not like is a mess. Like, Mm -hmm. you cannot actually go back and fix all of this and make it all make sense. So they've they've introduced (laughs) the warriors. Oh, they could hire warriors. We'll make a Hyrule Warriors of the Pokemon Wars. I solved it. Hi, I'm Nicole Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) And it's coming to CW this fall, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Yeah, the... uh, I, I, I'm curious to see if they ever get to Legends for, God, what is the name of the, the France area then? Because then it's like you got to deal with that 30-foot-tall homeless man and all those weird <laughs> elements in X and Y that no one ever talks about. It's insane. Um, so the big thing that people were talking about with the Legends trailer was that uh, that footage looked a little rough. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah, cool that they were showing it this early. They're saying it's coming out early 2022. Um, but the frame rate was pretty rough. The resolution was pretty rough. And so, Kyle, do you think this is like fueling speculation about a Switch Pro? Or is it just, eh, Game Freak isn't that technically strong of a studio, sadly. They want to keep their team small, and this is just going to be what it is. No, I I think it's that. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) I also think it's early, too. I I mean, I, I, I hope that it does get cleaned up. I don't mind they had the sort of Pokemon almost having like limited frames when they're out in the wild. Yeah. I didn't hate that as long as it's approached from like a stylistic way, but the sort of the core, like just looked really fuzzy and the frame rate overall was kind of meh. like that disheartening. But I, I think it is just a big game, you know, that game freak is experimenting on and I'm just hopeful that it'll look better by the time it comes out. You know, I am so because to me, the quality of this game paired with the fact that they chose Skyward Sword to start the Zelda celebration with, to me says, oh, our Switch has limited hardware. Because, like, this, the quality of this footage didn't look A+. The, and Skyward Sword was a game that reeked of limitations. You literally had the same level over and over and over again because you couldn't fit new levels into that. There just wasn't a hardware space. So, like, the fact that they're doing these two games and they look this way, it makes me concerned that either we're not going to get a Switch Pro as soon as we had hoped, yeah. or that when we do get it, developers aren't going to make it a priority because the light and the other versions don't need to be that high res, And that's crushing to me because I want my Switch to be like 16K. Yeah, yeah, I think the fact that they didn't show more about the Breath of the Wild sequel and the fact that this is slated for early 2022 kind of makes me believe that 2022 would be that Switch Pro date, but... You know, you can't. It yeah, wouldn't make Breath of the Wild two a Switch Pro exclusive. Not exclusive, but I think it's no. one of those. Well, they just would. They show would have it a probably. bundle, I'm sure, with like a skin yeah. on it. Like, because I bought the Wii U Wind Waker bundle because I'm a sucker for Triforces, uh-huh. um, big time sucker. Um, and it's literally like four decals. Um, and I do it again. Right, you got to do yeah. it. Well, but also, I mean, you yeah. got to think about the Wii U and. Switch versions of Breath of the Wild going hand in hand, and the Wii and GameCube versions of Twilight Princess going Twilight hand Princess. in hand. Like yeah. it could totally be one of those situations. 
And, you know, I will be there day one because I'm a sucker. Yep, naturally. Um, Pokemon, everybody, still good. Um, Hey, Kyle, Mm. real quick, do you want to talk about Maquette, which is the PS Plus game, but it's also on, what, Epic or Steam? Yeah, I want to share my quick under weird underrated Pokemon thing. (laughs) Sure. It's really really specific. So there's that movie, it was called, um, I think it was called like Pokemon I Choose You. It was like a, it was a movie version of the first few episodes of the anime. Yeah. So... It's on Netflix, and everyone lost their mind in it because Pikachu talks. He says, like, I love you, Ash, or something, right? (laughs) And while everyone was focusing on that, no one talked about the fact that there's a full sequence in that game, or excuse me, that movie, where Ash dreams that he lives in the real world, in our world. And he has to, like, come to understand that Pokemon don't exist. It just shows him going to, like, Japanese schools. Is it like The Simpsons when, like, Homer just wakes up on the bench? (laughs) (laughs) but i uh, my my daughter watched it and was describing the scene to me i was like this isn't a real thing that's in this movie she's like no no here i'll rewind it for you and yeah there's a sequence where ash is just like going to regular japanese you know elementary school or whatever the equivalent is and he's like where are all the pokemon and everyone's like what's a pokemon oh my god (laughs) and then he wakes up in asylum the next day and they're like sir we don't know what your pikachu is (laughs) (laughs) i remember where i was pikachu's like the pills he takes (laughs) (laughs) i remember exactly where i was when the news broke that pikachu talked in the latest movie because it it caused such a such a hubbub it's like i remember exactly where i was what i was doing (laughs) it's like when jfk died to distract you from that other Mm -hmm. dream sequence that sounds insane i think i want to go watch that i want to go watch this too (laughs) yeah exactly uh anyways maquette Um, yeah um yeah it's a puzzle game where you're kind of like solving puzzles in this i I don't know what's the best way to explain it like you you're looking at a miniature version of something while you're existing inside of a larger version and the further you go out the smaller you become and everything around you becomes it's very strange, um, but it's one of those things that if you watch the trailer for it, like you get it. Like once you see it visualized, you kind of understand how the puzzles work. And um, yeah, I played through it. It's 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 good. It it has um, it has some issues where like you can paint yourself into a corner and you can kind of get stuck and you have to restart puzzles and and stuff like that, which is kind of a bummer for these kind of games. But like overall, I liked it. And it has this uh, interesting story. And it's just like about, it's kind of like Florence. Remember Florence for iOS? Yeah. It's just a story about a young couple like coming together and sort of splitting apart over time and just tracking the progression of like what is a pretty typical relationship. And it's actually voiced by Bryce Dallas Howard um, and her husband, which I didn't (laughs) realize they were married. Are Um, they involved in the project? I, they're they do they're actors. I think they're hired actors and you right. Know, but but I like, are they involved like in the development? Because that's such a weird get. So. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Annapurna, man, they just have they got the email addresses. I Annapurna. guess they can get that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I guess but, so. Uh, yeah, did because anybody, yeah, it's, it was, did anybody play Super Liminal when it came out? Yeah, it, yeah, it had, is. It, I like Super Liminal more. Yeah, I, when uh, I saw yeah. when I saw the ad for this new game, I was like, that looks like Super Liminal. But they inputted weird human emotions into it. Yeah, like a story and a relationship does have a weird story about like existing in this weird dream world and how everything's going to be okay. This has a much more dour ending. And I we I played it with my daughter watching and helping me with puzzles. And I I, I had to have this weird, unexpected 
but like nice conversation about human or not human, but rather adult relationships and how people can argue and stuff like that while we were just trying to solve these uh, puzzles. And then there was, there was also one moment that just made me laugh because it was this really, you basically listen into an argument between this couple and they're like on the verge of breaking up and it's really intense. And I was like, wow, that was, that was rough. And then ping, you got a trophy. (laughs) (laughs) You did it. (laughs) So you're teaching your daughter. It pays to get into huge arguments. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, it's you really get rewarded cool. like, for those. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But go check out a trailer just to see how it functionally works. The trailer does like any trailer you look up for it will kind of explain how it works. And, and, and there are some really cool puzzle ideas where you're sort of shrinking and growing objects so that like you can travel through them and changing your own personal scale. It's it's really it's a it's a cool idea. It's a cool idea. It seems to be a good takeaway. Yeah, I started it last night. Yeah. And it's just nice to have that moment of, oh, this is a new thing in a video game I've never experienced before of just seeing this small model of the town, which is also the area that you're in, you know, the full yeah. mirror and just that weird feeling of taking this small cube, dropping it in the small town and then it's just like just like this huge rumble and thud as the block that you're dropping this small town is actually landing on the roof of the building that you're in like there's cool cool unique things happening in there so yeah maquette it's it's funny i beat it last night and then this morning i just came across this um animated short film from rebecca sugar who created steven universe it was like this like student animated film she did which like kind of conceptually uses the same idea of like uh, you existing in a smaller version of a, a larger thing. And it's huh. just this like three minute short film. That's really fascinating. And it, it was cool to see like her Steven universe style, like, like sort of used in this weird abstract way. It was just really, I, it was weird that I happened to come across that short film right after beating maquette. Cause it's like the same sort of core idea. Yeah. Oh, that's bizarre. Singles. Hey, Sarah, let's get to real video mm. games. Let's talk about okay. some real stuff here. Um, how's Valheim going for you? Oh my god, I am addicted. I cannot yeah. stop. I cannot stop. It's it's dark. Like, we had that moment, I'm playing with Star of Hitman 3 Grant and uh, best friend Ronnie, who's been on Deepest Dives and stuff like that. Um, but we've been playing, and we hit that moment where, like, I woke up, and it was the first thing I wanted to do, and I realized, like, this is it. Like, it, it has its full hooks in me. I cannot stop thinking about just gathering resources. I keep hearing about it. Give me a quick sales pitch. Go. Sarah, take it away. You're smarter than I am. Okay. So Valheim is you're basically a bunch of Norse, I guess I would say Vikings, you know, dropped in this world of gods and monsters and beasts. And you're given the task of basically, first you have to survive. Uh, everything you want and you need has to be built, hunted, and gathered. And then in order to get to Valhalla, you must defeat all of the bosses. I think there's four bosses? Yeah, maybe, maybe more? Maybe five, The elite yeah. four? Four? There's mm-hmm. a four, and then there might be like a fifth final boss. But you're put you're dropped onto this map and you don't know where anything is. You can only see yourself and the area you've explored, and you can only like reveal your own map. So it's your job to kind of number one, survive, which is very difficult. You know, build a shelter, cut down a bunch of trees, find food, set up, you know, set up a living situation. And then you kind of have to push your boundaries of fighting these bosses that get progressively difficult. Um, so it's kind of a it's, I guess I would describe it as like a Minecraft game. Yeah. But it, it's let's like, put some plot in there. Right. It almost sounds like what Fortnite was when it was first announced. You know, like you build this base it's, and you yeah. get ready for these like day-night cycles of monsters, which is like what Fortnite was for like a year in like 2013 or something, you know? like. <laughs> right. It kind of, it does, 
you know, I think a real turning point for this game was like, okay, building up my house, that's fun, that's fun, that's fun. But mm-hmm. then getting to the point of like, oh, we need to build a fence because mm-hmm. we're being raided so much by these stupid oh my gray God, lanes. So and oh, the shaman from hell. <laughs> and so then we end up like building like this whole fence and fortress mm-hmm. and then just seeing like these waves of monsters come and try and get in having to repair that like accidentally luring a troll to your base and he just like wreaks havoc on your wall trying to get through it is so fun or even just like being out in the woods at night gathering resources and you just think you see something moving in the distance like oh great yep of course right now i'm stuck with a cart wrapped around my waist and then a troll comes out and i can't separate from the cart in time mm-hmm. and the troll destroys me and destroys the cart and i lose all the bronze just good classic survival stories mm-hmm. yeah uh, i laugh i laugh so hard playing with my friends at just like the weird stuff that happens um, we built a bridge for no reason. Like, I know there's bosses in this game, but we seem entirely focused on just building things. Yeah. So we built this Property value. Just, yeah, so yeah everywhere that. I go, I find a house and I'm like, who put this here? Like, what is the real <laughs> estate market on a mountain? Like, who put this house here? I've been trying to tame wolves, which is very hard. I've died eight times to a wolf mauling my body and I'm like please I just I just want you to love me well, you're gonna get it keep keep going at it those wolves are I have a feeling are gonna how, be are gonna be yours how do you tame stuff uh, okay okay so it's called love you can also tame I'm boars familiar. you can tame wolves and you can tame boars so yeah. far what you do is you basically use your body as bait and you aggro them and then you lure them into a pen and then while they're mauling your body you have to close the pen and then you throw, and then you get out of the pen, should you survive. Um, and then you throw food at them and they'll eat the food. And the more they eat, it's just kind of a time thing. And it says percent tamed. So like what? 10% tamed, 20% tamed. And then if you get enough of them, they have little babies oh, and you have on. a steady supply of meat. <laughs> and some, and some like inbreeding, but they don't really, that doesn't really matter. Yeah, that's totally fine. Wait, by pen, is it like literally just, just a wooden fences, corral? Make a big circle. That's so weird. This is what's Except lovable. Except for the, the wolves will break out. I did have a panic attack when the wolves broke out of the little <laughs> fence. You need to use the big fence or stone. I'm a big dresser. Can we build a moat? I think some people build deep, they dig big holes in the ground. Mm-hmm. And I've seen people mm-hmm. capture trolls and just put them in a hole in the ground. It's like Silence of the Lambs, but like with the <laughs> troll down in the well. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's a really good game. I, it, it, the most fun thing about this game for me is just like that weird sense of discovery. And mm-hmm. uh, it seems stupid to be worried about spoilers for a survival game, but that is like the thrill right now is trying to figure out how are we uncovering this next boss? You know, like we just took down the second boss. Mm-hmm. And so now it's just this, we get a very cryptic clue about how to get to the third boss. And it's like the most fun thing in games is just, we don't know what we're going to do. It's an infinite world. We all just have to go explore and hope that we stumble across something that in a very janky way might lead us to something else that's very janky. But, you know, it's a it's a fun loop all the way there. Mm-hmm. Um, have you gone through a portal yet, Sarah? We have, uh, off, right off of our bridge, I named it the, the Principality of Portals. We have like eight portals that all lead to different areas of our maps. Oh my god! Um, I had I had an issue where I had a portal going to a mountain, and a wolf had camped outside the portal. So every time I came through, it would pin me between me and the wall and the portal, and it just kept killing me. <laughs> and I was like, "Please, I just really want my stuff back." <laughs> but yeah, I love portals. They're a really good way to because when you take your boat out you get really far away from base. So make sure you always travel with portal supplies. Oh, interesting. So wherever you get, 
you just slap down a portal and then you can go back home or else you're on like a 10 minute boat ride. The map is huge. Yeah. The map is absolutely enormous. You sound so much better at this game than we are. I mean, we we haven't even touched boats yet. We just got yeah, like I our mean, the f- way she described taming an animal sounded really like practice professional. And professional. Yeah, it's, it's really <laughs> high level stuff. And humane. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and I just want to say there was that rumor going around that birds were flying off with boats. Apparently that's false. I'm very sad about it. There was a bug. Well, somebody reported a bug that if a bird landed on your boat. The bird would somehow get ownership of your boat through a bug, and when the bird flew <laughs> off, it would take your boat with it. But apparently, that's not true, and I'm so sad. <laughs> that's true. That sounds I love like a the feature, idea of bird, not a bug. Boat I think, yeah. yeah, it's a cruel world. Uh, Valheim, everybody. If uh, you're one of the, <laughs> I think, 20 people on this planet who hasn't played it yet, uh, you know, check it out. Um, Kelsey, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. What would you like to plug before uh, we ship you on out? Uh, you just did all the plugging for me at the beginning, so I guess I'll just do all that again. Sure. Uh, I, I own a couple of video game stores in Seattle, Pink Gorilla Games. Check us out. Uh, buy some merch online, I guess. I don't know. Um, I also co-direct the Video Game History Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to preserving, celebrating, and teaching the history of video games. Um, check us out at gamehistory.org. And we also have a podcast for the Video Game History Foundation now called the Video Game History Hour. Ooh. It's very good. If there was, was if there was like one episode of the podcast you'd point people towards. Uh the one I did with Ben. Uh-huh. Where that, we please, talked about please. the Oregon Trail. <laughs> yeah, no, we did. We did that That's right. I wasn't even thinking about that, but it is fun. But yeah, but there's been better. But the ones. documentary from Twin Cities Public Television? <laughs> That's is right. That the one that was on TV. That's true. <laughs> oh. That actually I actually really did enjoy that episode though. That is oh, really um, but if you if you want like uh, they're all good, but there's there's definitely some good ones with some like older developers that might be interesting to people. Like we had a really good episode with Gary Kitchen um, that I liked a lot. So I don't know. Check it out if you like video game history. We what we is do that. what we is that Gary stuff. worked on? I'm sorry, I don't know. Uh, he made the like Atari 2600 port of Donkey Kong, and he did like the Super Battle Tank games and uh, Space Jockey and a bunch of stuff. Cool. I'll check it out. Sweet. The name of the podcast one more time is... Video Game History Hour. Sweet. Kelsey, thanks for joining us for this hour. Um, we do something Thank weird you. on this show where just so audio listeners understand that something has changed, um, do you want to clap once to take yourself out? Yeah, absolutely. Bye. All right. I'm out of here. <laughs> um, Kyle, do you know how this whole thing operates? I have no clue. Well, the no answer is... Uh-huh. Sure. The answer, Kyle, is patreon.com slash minmax with two ends. You can go there to support us at any tier and unlock access to the Discord. You can compete in Trivia Tower, which is coming up later this month, where you can win some fun prizes. Bunch of other stuff. You can submit comments and questions to the Deepest Dive on Batman Arkham Asylum, which is going on right now. And the special guest is Brandon Jones from Easy Allies. But thank you to some of Minmax's biggest supporters like Will Cornelius. He wants everybody to know that if you own an Android or Tizen OS smartwatch and you're looking for a unique watch face with a retro sci-fi futuristic design, you can download the Facer app to your smartphone and check out the creator Cyberpunk. There are over 100 original watch faces, including neon and metallic backgrounds, unconventional time and date displays, dynamic battery life and stat tracking, new series of faces based on Dune's great houses. There are free and premium faces available for $5 a month. So check out those watch faces. The creator is Cyberpunk on the Facer app. Also, thank you to I'm 8-Bit. They want everybody to know that uh, you can check out Spinch 
on Switch, the physical edition from I'm 8-Bit for the game Spinch, which is a psychedelic platformer developed by Queen Bee, published by Acapura Games. Uh, it has fantastic box art. It's an has an I'm 8-Bit exclusive edition with illustrated zine by Jesse Jacobs, versatile cover sheet. Uh, you can also get the vinyl soundtrack to Spinch, uh, which has a psychedelic tricolor vinyl, as they put it. So please check that out. And anything on I'm 8-Bit store, you can use the promo code SPRINGFORWARD. One word, spring forward, and you can get 10% off everything under $100 in I'm 8-Bit's wonderful online store. Please check that out. Um, Nicole, the way this works is uh, everybody who supports us on Patreon can submit a question or comment for us, and we're going to read some of our favorites and then choose our number one tippy-top favorite, and then that person gets question of the week, and I'm 8-Bit ships out a prize, and this week it is the Pac-Man 40th anniversary soundtrack, which is an exclusive I'm 8-Bit import. So your job, Nicole, is to remember all of these questions and remember which one is your absolute favorite, and then they win question of the week. All I need to do is remember one username. Yep, that's really you, you get the name of the game. Uh, we have got it, got it, got it. Great questions here. Joe Kefjinski writes in, he says, I'm so excited to have Nicole Z on the show. Please, please, please have her explain some Pokemon lore for us. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you don't actually geez. have to do that. <laughs> you really don't have to do that. <laughs> but I'm, I had completely forgotten about this, but this is back on Weekend Confirmed. You were renowned for your Pokemon monologues? Yeah, apparently. And Zelda and oh, Gears right. of War. That's I right. would just go on little rants. And, um, you know, most people don't know people who grew up in Sherman Oaks. And so they don't speak like Valley Girls. So I think people just were like, oh, she knows a lot about this stuff. And also she talks like this. But also there's a <laughs> bunch of Pokemon. And if you think about it, Rapidash and Ponyta have, you know, these different forms. But if we think about what happens in the Galarian region, mm-hmm. and we think about the the elements that, you know, bring us the super uh, mega evolutions right, and you think right, about right. the type of things that you know would change the appearance of these pokemon and then you take in the windsors you know like we have to take in the windsors and the fact mm. that they are represented by a unicorn yep. and so i think that the evolution of ponyta angle and rapidash into uh-huh. their galarian forms was actually a really beautiful uh nod to the royal family that's Team Princess beautiful Diana. Thank that's you. beautiful joe kefchinski is mm-hmm. just in love with that uh he's upping his yeah. patreon pledge as we speak because of the monologue <laughs> it's really stunning uh rich mclaughlin submits a question he says okay you can choose one upcoming game in which to be completely in the dark no trailers articles or coverage whatsoever what do you choose for your completely spoiler-free bliss he chooses Horizon Forbidden West. And then he asks, does that That's title... A good one. Yeah, he asks if Horizon's Forbidden West, does that have a colon in it, Kyle? Do you know? Is that a colon no. title? Okay, of course not. And why um, isn't it Horizon One Dawn? I don't... I know, they're really blowing it on every front. But yeah, if you could have yeah. one game completely spoiler-free, Sarah, does something jump out for you? Mine, not for the lack of spoilers, but mine would be anything to do with Final Fantasy VII. Because we're going to be in it for the long haul with this game. Yeah. And whenever they release, like, the tiniest bit of information, the internet just takes it and, like, tears it up, which is in there right. They can do that. Enjoy it. And there's always comparisons to the original Final Fantasy VII that I haven't played, so I never know what's going on. So, to me, it's like, just when the game is finished... I just give it to me. Right. Because I think we're going to be hanging on to their every word for the next, like, you know, 10 years. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Part two dash pace D. It. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pace absolutely it. going to happen. Yourselves. That's really smart. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Kyle, something to jump out for you? 
uh, the sequel to The Breath of the Wild. Ooh, if I don't that could just, anything else. If that was just on your Switch one morning, a year and a half from now, that's the best case scenario? I just mm-hmm. want a tweet that says, Breath of the Wild 2, available now. I don't even want the title. I have to play the game to learn the title. That's cool, man. I like that. I like that. Really I agree. I'm, I'm one of those people who avoid trailers completely. Um, so I would love to not know anything about Breath of the Wild going in. Um, and God of War Ragnarok, I also would love yeah, to be super surprised by. But at the same time, having just beat Valhalla, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, right. I, with so many Viking and Ragnarok elements, I am very curious to see how they make that their own and separate that from what... Um, because I would hate for them to feel similar because they're just so, so so different games. Right. And there's Val- only one Ragnarok, so. Yeah. And Valhalla, I've only played the first, which seems insane, like 20, 30 hours. But I understand like the gods and the kind of mythology stuff kind of picks yeah. up later on. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm so curious. I just can't wait to see in Ragnarok just their designs for so many of the gods. I mean, at this point, yeah. it's all still so up in the air about what these things are going to look like. I can't wait for it. And that being true, it's still set to release this year, which is crazy to me. Like, yeah. which I have my doubts about because yeah. it's already March. Um, but, you know, maybe they, when would they even announce it? You know, we don't have Comic-Con. E3 is probably not a thing. Like, when would we even get that announcement trailer? It'd probably be, yeah. I mean, the whatever the maybe state of Maybe during a March Madness game kind of thing. Like, maybe we, <laughs> maybe we lean on sports. Maybe. Or it's probably going to be just a state of play in June in, like, that window of where E3 would have been yeah. or something like that. Yeah. But, yeah, that's totally yeah. my answer, too. It'd be so fun to go in completely cold on that one. Um, yeah. we, could, we, Corey Barlog finally started tweeting about it. It was like... Right, but isn't he not on that? Wasn't ta- I don't because know. Because isn't he on another project? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he said he wasn't directing or he's like, this one. Yeah, he's like, his role has changed. So I think it's possible that they have like another game they're working on. Um, I mean, he's always been a proponent of different directors for different God of Wars. But speaking of spoiler free things, like he's one of those guys that they could call it the next Cory Barlog game. That's all I need. No, don't give me anything. I'll just play it, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm really curious about that, especially because like, you know, Alana Pierce uh, is now at Sony Santa Monica. And so... I don't know if she'd be brought on to work on Ragnarok or to be on that like new team with Corey Barlog, whatever that would be. But there's a lot right. of questions. Let's analyze that. that. What would be her, what would be her specialization that she could bring to that team? She's, well, she's, a, she's, she's a, writer. a writer. Yeah. Right. But like, what about like her background could make her really strong? Like, so maybe cause she's Australian, right? So mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. maybe there's finally happening. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Confirmed. Yeah. I think it's as good as yeah. he he made the game in his head. I'm sure it'll come eventually. That's a good guess, dude. That's a really good guess. That would be cool. <laughs> um, Adam D writes in. in that, no, I, do. <laughs> I really do. Adam D writes in. He says with Mass Effect Legends, Legendary Edition. I think he means to say coming out soonish, and the studio overhauling Mass Effect One both graphically and in terms of gameplay. Can you think of examples when you thought a remaster slash remake went too far? Goldeneye. Seven. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see which one to take first. Uh, Kyle <laughs> says Goldeneye. Interesting. Uh, yeah, that's I, I, They just went to, it, They just turned into a Call of Duty game and just used like some basic visual layout of some of the levels. It was one of the most. It, it is far and away the most disappointing remake I've ever played. It, they it, they hit no. They did nothing that I wanted for that game at all. Like there was nothing about that game that I liked or was. I think I think the first five minutes of the first level felt like the like looked like the first level of Goldeneye but then after that it like 
you were in cutscenes, and it was yeah what a disappointment yeah uh Final Fantasy VII, Nicole, it's just too much. I mean, it's just too much. Like yeah. that game came out once, and then you paid what full price for it, and now you're gonna just they're gonna just divvy it up into wow. as many possible pieces. Don't as defend possible. it, Hampton. I know you love it. I but just she's didn't right. want her to rile you up again, Kyle, about all this stuff. But yeah, I mean, the more I've sat on like the announcements of Intergrade and the Yuffie chapter, the more I do worry about this being blown out and stretched out even more. Um, and then, like, what's to stop? I mean, obviously, this is like a very slippery slope kind of crazy talk. Yeah. But, like, what's this? You know, I was reading this morning about um, some games that are really popular in Japan. And instead of, and, and these are story games, um, um, yeah. like RPG games that are um, dialogue based. And rather than microtransactions for armor or weapons, you play microtransactions to get more dialogue options. And so, like, Ooh. that's dangerous for a game like this. Like, what if we get into a world where it's like, oh, you don't like your ending? Well, for two ninety nine, you could, you know, like. Well, I, I, I Yeah, right. That's a good deal. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I, I think it, I think that's an interesting uh, business model. Yeah, oh, they'll save that for the battle royale. You know, it's like hey, it's, you can have a different way, a different death. I don't know, exclamation as you go down for different tiers of pricing. I don't know exactly how it's going to work. Does anything jump out to you, Sarah? Oh, I. It's not really. It was more of like a an IP revitalization that absolutely broke my heart was when Chibi Robo came out with Chibi Robo Ziplash. Yeah. I'm still not over that. My heart is still broken to this day. Um, makes me cry every time. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, I don't, they were like, oh, we need a 2D side scroller. I don't know. Here's a, here's an IP no one's using. Right. Yeah. It's, it's kind of in that same vein as that Hey Pikmin game. It's like, there was that weird chapter of just 3DS versions of franchises we love that were just a little bit off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Grizzled Gaming writes in, he says, hey, Benny Hansen and the Hansonites. Sure. Uh, well, listening to the MinMax Council call-in episode about Mass Effect 3's ending, I was reminded of my all-time favorite fan theory, the indoctrination theory. And while Bioware stated that that was not what they were doing, it is so intriguing of an ending that it's my personal canonical ending to that game. That said, what are some of your favorite fan theories from games, TV, movies, etc.? Okay, real quick, yeah. just going to jump into the Mass Effect. Um, agreed. I love indoctrination theory for Mass Effect 3 specifically. Sure. Uh, my my ending that I've, even though I beat it once with the green ending, oh, that's a good one. It felt bad. So um, I the ending I like is you do the bad ending, the red ending, where you kill all the synthetics, and then at the very end, you do this. <gasps> Your body moves. So to me, oh, I'm alive. Then in my headcanon, I get better. Then the Citadel DLC happens mm. where I throw my crew a party. Right. Um, and then Hayden, Alenko, and I get married and we are so in love. So that's the Mass Effect 3 ending that I know and love. Um, so I don't even know what the question was. Are we talking about no. Mass Effect 3? No, no, <laughs> just in general. Just everything else. Liara is my next Fan one. Theories. Okay. Yeah. Caden, yeah. really? Going with Caden? Look, Ashley's a space racist. Of course she is. No one's arguing for Ashley. Well, that's why I killed her. <laughs> she had to go. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Other fan theories from like anything even beyond games that stands out to folks? I mean, it's it's more or less been canonized now through art books and stuff like that. But I really, I mean, the Zelda sort of timeline, I feel like, right. firmly sits in that sort of fan theory thing that I... I think Nintendo might have looked at it and been like, mm, that's interesting. We could do something with that. But like, mm-hmm. I love that idea of just like split timelines and like not really being clear where a Zelda game takes place in terms of like 
timing and like just this loop of good versus evil playing out over you know millennia like yeah i eat it up i love it yeah i love that too <laughs> I, really I love i love zelda fun. being reincarnated i love yeah. like uh nairu and pharaoh and um din and I, I love the idea of like these goddesses coming to hyrule and making the planet and like i love all that garbage i'm also one yeah. of those people who read all the star wars canon books and then will refuse to read anything that's not canon and then i'm oh, like oh cute but that's not canon like i'm that jerk um <laughs> so i'm reading the thrawn the new thrawn books right now um i love thrawn so much looking forward to the future of mandalorian and all that stuff <laughs> Really? What? Heck, All I yeah. know about Thrawn is he's smart. He's he's very smart and he's blue. Is that is that what he's got going for him? I mean, it's who I am. <laughs> got it. <laughs> no, but he's yeah. I, I love all that stuff. Um, I love fan theories. I also love conspiracy theories. I also Easy. firmly believe in cryptozoology, um, which is like the Loch Ness monster and stuff. Right, so. right. Oh, firmly. Yeah. I like planting firmly. your flag on firmly believe in the Loch Ness monster. Loch Ness monster. <laughs> yeah, mine's more believable than that. I was thinking about just the fan theories, and I feel like Pixar has talked about this, but they've never made it canon. But it makes so much sense that it should just be canon at this point. The idea that Woody is Andy's dad's toy. And that's like oh, part yeah. of the weird connection mm-hmm. is Andy's dad died and passed on this toy. That's why also Woody is so connected to Andy with just being like, well, I need to stick with this kid because my owner got sick and died or whatever okay, is happening but in like, this world. Let's take this theory and expand it to all of the toys are possessed by the dead. <laughs> well, and... I wasn't going that far. Wait, hold on. <laughs> this is a stretch. This is a stretch. <laughs> Hey, okay, yeah. okay, this is how fan theories go, though. Yeah, you okay, go. all right, I'm with it. Right, so they're all okay, they're yeah. all inhabiting ghosts. Go Getting on, back the layers. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and and they have unfinished business, okay. and it's to go to college, mm. <laughs> which they which they'll never finish unless Bonnie takes them. Yeah, and that's just the great tragedy of toys is nobody takes their toys to college. Therefore, all these ghosts are just tortured for eternity. Yeah, <laughs> that's really smart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Pixar. Shaking her head. That's good. <laughs> uh, I got another one. And this one is like, please let me know in the comments whether or not you think this is legit. But it's something I heard once and uh, I, I'm on the fence about it. But in Jurassic Park, everybody knows the greatest film of all time. There is the scene where they're landing the helicopter. Remember, Alan Grant can't tie his seatbelt. He's like, oh, you know, John Hammond's like, well, I've landed by the time you get it right. In that scene, what he ends up doing is he takes two female ends of the seatbelts and tying them together and tightening it up. And so fans have said that that is a nod to the idea of only female dinosaurs on the island. You know, life will find the way that that is what that's referring to. Is that too I much, Sarah? I feel like that's reading into it a little bit. Yeah. It's like symbolism in your AP English lit books. Right. Where you're like, is the curtain blue because he's sad? Or is the curtain blue because the author wanted the curtain to be blue? I think you can make an argument for both. Mm-hmm. Like, you're like, mm, it could be either. Yeah. It could just be, hey, it's just a silly thing for Alan Grant to do to show that he can really... I don't know. He's like MacGyver out there. He's a survivalist at his core. I say we look into this and we watch the whole movie and we for every possible like plug, outlet, anything that like is like the female <laughs> male in technology. And we right. look for, we look, you know, and we can't stop there. We have to yeah. watch all the movies and then mm-hmm. we need to play the Lego recreations of them. Yes. I have it. So yes. um, let me know when you guys are free. Yep. All the female yeah. parts in Lego <laughs> Jurassic World. It's, a, it's just ripe for it's, a video essay on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> the issue is when... 
you're like working on a game and you see a fan theory pop up and you're like, we did do that. Mm-hmm. Not the intended outcome, but we will run with that. You're like, yes, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what we meant. That's exactly intended. Did you experience the timeline? Yeah, I mean, really. I have experienced it, but I probably like can't talk about it too much. It's probably one of those like NDA what? things. But so many times you read fan theories and you're like, wow, they really thought about this more than I did. And you just oh, let yeah. them have it. You just let and them have it. When I was on Talking Dead, like, it was my job to, like, get all the Walking Dead fan theories and questions. And, like, so much of that, it seems, informs the direction of the show. Because, like, that, obviously they have source material that they can do what they want with. But, like, the Walking Dead specifically is such a show where community is, is such a huge part of it. And, like, um, and, and yeah, so I think that that's, that's a really interesting thing that can have that feedback loop. Even like I think about, you know, going back to God of War Ragnarok without spoiling the end of God of War or anything. But I just think about there were so many rampant fan theories that just made complete sense. And now it's like, well, if they just go in that direction, it's going to be a little bit of a letdown. I'm like, yeah, it turns out the thing you all thought was going to be a thing at the end of that first game. You will get to experience that in Ragnarok. But maybe it's just fan theories. It's such a tiny sliver of the audience that it doesn't matter and if you're a creator and you see that stuff online you should still be like we just got to keep plowing ahead and we'll still wow millions of people with this twist yeah my fan theory for ragnarok is that there'll be some meaningful female characters interesting yeah we'll Mm. see how that goes like like a seatbelt yeah two two (laughs) would be ideal Cool, cool yeah uh, Justin Ray writes in, he says, I was playing Bowser's Fury and a thought occurred to me when I jumped off a cloud way up in the sky and safely drifted down to Earth. How would life change if humans did not take fall damage? Would a fear of heights not exist? Could you fly from point A to point B and simply jump out when it's your stop? Our architecture would probably be a little different. Like, like, do like we not stairs? have internal bleeding anymore? <sighs> yeah, because it's unclear at what point it's like fall damage versus... Like, if I jumped into the Grand Canyon, I'd still, like, scrape myself on the way down and stuff, right? Right. If you don't push A and roll right as you land, you might die. But if you roll, you're good. I think there's something with that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't Uh, know. I think elevators would only go up. And then it would just be, like, an elevator shaft to jump down? (laughs) It'd be just, like, an Assassin's Creed style, just, like, jump. You know when like someone builds a, a house and they they haven't built the 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 sec the two level porch on the back so there's like sliding doors and yeah. no porch to walk it's it, that's how every house would be mm. just doors into nothing yeah I think it's a better place I think I'd like to live in your world <laughs> Justin right. Spencer Botin says, hey, everybody, with the new price tag for games set at 70 bucks, I'm finding myself hesitating to pre-order upcoming titles. Don't get me wrong, I'm totally fine with the price hike, but suddenly games like Returnal and Ratchet and Clank seem more like, eh, I'll wait for a sale. Uh, what do you think the reaction will be to this new standard? Will we have more tiered pricing in games again, or are we just going to get used to this in a year or two? Streaming services. It, <laughs> yeah, I think that, like, like I'm not going to pre-order anything unless you give me, like, a plushie or a sticker. Um, the power of a sticker is pretty, pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, but like I have, you know, Xbox game pass and like whatever the, um, PS five one is. And like, sure. I have access to so many games constantly that the idea of pre-ordering a digital game in case it runs out is just like, that's just not, that's just not the reality anymore. No, it seems absurd for 70 bucks. I mean, and there's even this weird thing of even watching the state of play, the most recent one of just every, game just being like ah 70 bucks just seems outrageous so when they announce something like 
Oddworld Soulstorm coming to PS Plus. Like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, I mean, the yes, greatest twist exactly. is Destruction All-Stars just going to PS Plus. And so there's kind of this weird assumption that like anything that's not at that AAA level, I'll wait for an extreme sale or just wait for it to come to PS Plus. And so it kind of has shifted my viewpoint just on some of the ridiculous pricing for the games, unless it's a huge Naughty Dog production or something like that. I wonder if this new model will pressure game developers to have games that are more spoily based, more appointment viewing, um, because so many people could see a game and think, I'll wait for Game Pass. I'll wait, I'll wait. So it's not that they yeah. won't play it, so they're not going to play it in that window. And so to encourage people to play in this launch window, I wonder if we're going to see things that are spoiler driven to encourage people to be like, well, I got to play it now. Because mm. um, I know that yeah. that's a motivator for me to play things right away because I don't want to be spoiled. Right, right. So there's in the, everyone goes to see the Marvel movies so quickly. Yes, you know? exactly. Yeah. So, so I got bullied into watching WandaVision like Friday morning. Yeah, because honestly, okay, this WandaVision crap's driving me insane. IGN and GameSpot Man, are out it's of their f***ing minds. <laughs> it is literally, I wake up Friday morning, 7 a.m. tweets from IGN. Just, hey, this episode was about this with a big picture. It is insane like i love the way that i always see you yelling at ign ben (laughs) it was the mandalorian and now it's wandavision you're always up in their mentions like please have some self-respect for me (laughs) but as somebody sarah who understands social media everybody here understands social media to some extent it just it blows my mind that you can't just tweet hey here's our big you know spoiler filled recap of the new episode of wandavision and just put a picture of wanda on there like why right. does it really pay off in the click-through rate yes. for being so specific you think it does yes. mm-hmm. by having a big Absolutely. picture of a spoiler yep, yep. why are you so yep. confident in that <laughs> because i like i i know it does um People like when, when, you know, baby, you know, when they named baby Yoda <laughs> right. or whatever, no right. one was like, click here for baby Yoda's name. They literally plastered that weird ass little name everywhere they could. So maybe people who didn't even watch or don't even watch Mandalorian will click and read it. So you're enticing people outside the WandaVision bubble. Cause if you put that amazing spoiler, people are going to be like, oh, I don't even watch WandaVision, but you know, maybe I'll read this article. About yeah. this weird ass spoiler that happened. It's yeah, it's sense. weird, and it's a it's a double edged sword, I think, because like I know with not to bring up Walking Dead constantly, but it worked there a few years. Um, spoilers were a huge deal, and before I got there, someone had tweeted or posted to Facebook that a character died on the East Coast feed, not the West Coast feed, mm. and so the West Coast feed was like those Facebook fans were furious, um, and so like those are the kinds of things that like. I think brands need to be more respectful of yeah. and, and and more kind to their audience. And, and, you know, IGN is one thing because, you know, they are, they exist because of clicks and like, that's kind of like, they have so much content. That's fine. Yeah. What I'm getting increasingly annoyed with are like people. I know my friends who are like 7am stayed up late to watch WandaVision. Here are the spoilers. Just yeah. so everyone knows I watched it. It's like, we can be part of this yeah. community you gotta together. You got to have the spiciest tweet, though. You got to get it first. You got to get in while it's hot. You got to get your likes. You got to get your retweets. Oh, what man. if somebody else takes your spicy tweet? Unacceptable. <laughs> what are you going to do? Go on, live it? Move on with your life. Exactly. But <laughs> some people true. don't understand that. It's infuriating. It's and, rough out there. I just don't think anybody should ever tweet again is my conclusion <laughs> here. Do you ever have that moment? I'm not morally opposed. Okay. Do you ever have moments of just going on Twitter and just having this wave of realization that just... I just wish everybody would stop. I yes. just think I'm going to mute yes. everybody in this Twitter feed. At that point, I don't know what the point of Twitter is. but Yeah, and I've been a social Dang media Hansen. producer for like 12 years. So like yeah. my 
cynicism for this is like pretty high. Right, right. Um, Kyle, yes, sir. Uh, I, I just, I don't want any more spoilers for the rest of this particular episode. Uh-huh. I want to go back and like listen to the ending later. So yeah. I have to, I have to go actually. I'm sorry. I have a previous engagement. Okay. Yeah, bye, Kyle. We'll Clap tweet out. you the end. So <laughs> oh, good, it'll great. be real for you. Yeah. And if you don't awesome. want to see it, you can mute, just mute the words. Mm-hmm. Oh, ben, okay. you can mute the word WandaVision if you don't want to see it anymore. Yeah. It'd be nice. <laughs> uh, okay. Bye, well Kyle. Yeah. It's lovely meeting you both. Bye. Well, not meeting. Bye. Meeting Nicole, but. Sarah, lovely meeting you. It was lovely. Hanson. See, nice see you guys see later. You again, Clap out, sir. you fool. Ian Williams writes in. He says, hey, gang, what is your favorite food from another country or that you can't get locally to you? I've always wanted to try Taco Bell, but I can't get it anywhere in the UK. Oh, Ian, you're missing out, buddy. It's in the UK. Really? There's Taco Bell in the UK. How do you know yeah. that? That's amazingly specific. Because I love Taco Bell and I'm having an emotional with the spicy potatoes and the Mexican pizza. I'm a vegetarian for 17 years. Uh-huh. Those were like my lifeline. I have boycott them. I have sent them angry messages. Um, they are bringing the spicy potato potatoes back on March 11th. And I will return and I will wear my Taco Bell sweatshirt and everything. Uh-huh. So whenever I go to other countries, I look for the Taco Bells. Um, there is one outside of London. Um, but I'm sure it's quite far from. From Ian. Place. Okay, well, Ian, just make I the I was track. there when Taco Bell opened up in Shibuya, their first ever Japan Taco Bell. That line, first of all, they opened up in a little bit of like a seedy district. Like they opened up inside kind of like an alley between two main roads where if you take a wrong turn, uh, you're going to end up in 18 plus communities. But (laughs) don't go down that alley. But the line, the line was like out the door, down the street. Like it was an hours long line. And I'm just looking at you and I'm like, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. Whatever is in there, it is not worth this. And then a week later, there was no line. And I Everybody could get Taco Bell whenever I wanted. Did they have any good Japanese Taco Bell things in there? I think just the overall quality was a little bit better because that's how they usually do it. Like it wasn't, the quality was a little bit better to get, you know, new people to actually eat it. But didn't really notice a big difference. The The restaurant, like the space was nice. It was nice. Yeah. Um, was it, is it McDonald's in Japan that has the chicken shake? Is that what it's called? I don't know. They come out with the... All of Asia gets a lot of really great seasonal items. Well, hang on. It's not what you think. Okay. So what it was, it was like, it was basically just a chunk of fried chicken and you put it in a packet Mm -hmm. with like mac and cheese powder. Correct me if I'm wrong, Sarah. Was it like shaku shaku or something? Yeah. And you'd like shake the whole thing and then just coat this chicken breast in mac and cheese powder. And believe it or not, it's good. Yeah, that's. I think you can do that at Konbini's in Japan. You can get like a famichiki and then you can ask for powder and then you like shake it up in the bag. I remember that. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, what uh, what comes to mind for you all for food from another country that you want around you? Um, when I was in London, I had some of the best Indian food of my life, yes. and I miss that. I miss that. Like th- they had like coconut rice that like I've just not found in America anywhere. Um, in Japan, I had a tr- big time trouble eating. Like I said, I didn't eat meat or fish, or so mm-hmm. I like ate. It's very hard. Individually wrapped bananas. Um. Mm-hmm. um Italy. Oh my god, I loved Italy. But I can get pizza here. Yeah, you get the mm-hmm. idea. Yeah, I think But I want Italian pizza. I want that. It'd be nice. I think number yeah. one for me is listen, you two are in LA, so you're spoiled. But the yeah, fact truly the fact that there isn't a cocoa curry like Kobichi? in Kokichi? Yeah, that it's not anywhere except for I literally get Kokichi like every other week. 
That is infuriating. I'm so <laughs> jealous. Like it would do so well in every town. I feel like in the states, it's just so. I think it basic. would do well in the Midwest too. Yes, it's that meat, hearty with some rice, covered in cheese and a beer. Mm-hmm. It's just the best. Like I want to mm-hmm. start uh, calling them on a regular basis to beg them to establish one in Minneapolis. I'll write them a letter. I think their warehouses are out here. Okay. Because it worked for Taco Bell. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Pester them. (laughs) Pester ball them. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. Sarah, do you miss anything from Japan? It's got to be a lot of stuff, right? For me, uh, a lot of them, like, I can cook a lot of my own dishes. Like, that I would eat in Japan. A lot of comfort food is sort of, like, homemade stuff. Um, But for me specifically, it's okonomiyaki which is that really skinny cabbage pancake that you make on kind of like a hibachi grill. Okay. And I always stop at this one place in the Kyoto train station that I stop with my um, friends from college. And it was, it's delicious. It's, I'm not selling it with the whole shredded cabbage pancake yeah, thing. Yeah, it sounds But fine. I'm promising you, like, and then you just kind of eat it right off the grill or they'll put it on a plate for you, but they make it in front of you. It's a little pancake. It's delicious. I, you cannot find it in the States. Weird. That sounds Only great. Only in Japan. Only in Japan. If you, I was playing Yakuza and I saw a sign that said like, Okonomiyaki. I was like, give it to me. <laughs> I want it. Uh, Andrew Reynolds writes in. He says, hey, y'all, what game from your childhood did you love, but looking back, didn't realize that it was actually bad? A lot of them. Yeah, most of them, yeah. I think. That's the way childhood yeah. works. Everything is bad. Me, you don't realize it. Let me look it up. Goman's mystical castle goemon go yeah 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 goemon's mystical Ca- great adventure goemon's yeah, great adventure. Well, there's yeah. a 64 so, one and then what Super i played the 64 one and like i remember renting it over and over and over again yeah because i didn't have a memory card so i never i had to start over every weekend um <laughs> and like i bought that game like i don't know seven years ago and i went back to try and play it and um i couldn't it was a mess and like, I didn't know what I was doing. And yep. like, I just, it was, I remember it being so magical, but yeah, no longer, no longer. Yeah. That's a sad one. I mean, it's a lot of, for me, it's like Apple II stuff, which I played so much as a kid. And it was all just like barely functioning as a game where my mind, like the most dynamic, crazy game full of features is always like winter Olympics is probably, you know, like. I don't even know what year that would have been. Winter Olympics 1982, come play this game. And it was just like, hey, you go ice skating by hitting the V key three times. You know, it was just like nonsense like that that I remember thinking was incredible. So it was just And everything. you love Olympic games. There's one thing I know about you. That's it's right. that you love Olympic games. Mario vs. Sonic and the Olympics has been your mm-hmm. game of the year mm-hmm. every time. And That's it's right. just, it's beautiful that, that you are so true to yourself. Thank you. Thank you. And when they delayed yeah. it last year, I've been on a hunger strike. Her- yeah. 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 And I mean, yeah, I, I think you should eat, but you do look great. Uh. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Sarah, does anything jump out to you for a bad old game? I, a lot of my early childhood games I played on like a really old PC. And one of them was a 101 Dalmatian 3D platformer. And I think it has wrecked 3D platformers for me for the rest of my adult life. Because that shit was so hard. <laughs> You're trying to use your keys to jump as a puppy, and like Corella Deville was chasing you down with like an evil army of toys. And I remember it very vividly because it was very hard. Yeah, I mean, and all, I was like, all those Disney platformers just needlessly yeah. difficult. Aladdin mm-hmm. destroyed me. Right, right, and the whole idea. I remember talking to uh, the creative director for Lion King back in the day, and he was just like, "Oh, it was just because of you know." Uh, we didn't want kids to rent it and then beat it. We wanted them to 
be forced to buy it so they could that beat their head so against mean. a wall to try and get through Or this. rent it over and over again. The blockbuster model. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Cyber writes in killer questions saying, I grew up without any Nintendo games in my life. I was a PSP kid. Weird. Uh, he says, but mm-hmm. I like, oh, but like Ben, <laughs> hang on, this is very important. <laughs> he says, but like Ben's nephews. He doesn't say, but I like Ben's nephews. The point is, he says, my parents decided to buy me a Gen 1 and Gen 2 Pokedex book thing and some Pokemon cards. I didn't really know what most of the overrated Pokemon were. My question is, what are your top tier underrated Pokemon and why is Game Freak wrong for ignoring them? Also, shout out to Seropods for funny tweets. Oh my God, thank you. Congratulations. So anyway, you subscribe it. to my Twitter super fan account. <laughs> my tweets will now cost $5 a tweet. Um, per character. It will include per character pictures of my dog exclusively. Mm-hmm. He will no longer be on the stream. Right. Smart. And then the dog will have a speech bubble and it'll be spoiling uh, the Mandalorian in it. So please look yeah. forward to that. Um, okay. Underrated Pokemon. Who do we got? All the cute my, ones. Yeah. All the cute ones. Uh, Underrated. I yeah. I yes, run a team they, called the Cutie Patooties. Cute Pokemon <laughs> only. Everybody else can get lost. Yeah, All right. So who's I'm in that team? That. Mm-hmm. Who's at the top of that team then? My favorite Pokemon ever. I have the plushie here that I got from the Pokemon Center is Esper. Oh, the weird. tiny cat that holds the power of an atomic bomb in its, it's a psychic type Pokemon. And it has these little like things under its ears, these little yellow dots, and it holds the power of an atomic bomb in it. And if you play X and Y, they're all over the fucking city. <laughs> this is like, this is like the skitty or like the basic cat type Pokemon. But there's these little, and they have these eyes that look like they're in a constant state of sort of like PTSD flashbacks to right. Vietnam. Uh-huh. Um, and apparently it's because they're struggling so hard to hold the power. And it said in the Pokemon decks of an atomic bomb Jesus in its Christ. tiny body that it is constantly in like a state of like stress. <laughs> and this is my favorite Pokemon. That's good. That's a good mm-hmm. choice. Uh, mm-hmm. Edgar Vasquez mm-hmm. in the backstage pass chat watching us live. He says, Mr. Mime. Which I would have agreed with, but I feel like he's the getting Galarian this... version. Have you yep. guys seen the Galarian? Mr. You get the weird, Jeez. freaky Galarian. I mean, he's almost the breakout star of Detective Pikachu. Like Mr. Mime has gotten his due pretty recently, but right, yeah. Um, mine is. I just think it looks cool, Ladian, like the Ladybug evolution the back ladybug? in Gold oh. and Silver. It's kind of like the. Okay. It looks like a superhero ladybug. It's got a cool look to it. And it can't imagine I really didn't expect that. you to pick the ladybug Pokemon. I'll be real. Mm-hmm. It, it looks yeah. cool. It looks like an alien or something. It's freaking sweet. It's like a ladybug. Yeah, but like a badass alien oh. ladybug. <laughs> yeah. Like a cool ladybug. Yeah, the coolest thing you could possibly imagine. Like that level of thing. I don't know. What sends out to you, Nicole? Um, I mean, I always like to play with cute Pokemon, and so it's always crushing when, like, my Jigglypuff, Wigglytuff, Clefables, and all, anything pink eventually has to be cycled out because it's not strong enough. Right. My shield, my Pokemon sword team right now is Rapidash, um, Sylveon, Espeon, so it's like, I, I'm just recycling Psychic and Fairies because they're light purple and light pink. Right. Um, so, so, like, those are my favorite, those are my three right now, and then three right now. Um... But yeah, just anything cute and cuddly, I think, should be more strong. 
Mm-hmm. I don't evolve my Pokemon if I think they're too cute. Everstones? So yeah. My I, always get Everstones. I sort of, like, everyone's like, well, the Pokemon games are getting too easy. I'm like, yeah, try not evolving your Pokemon and getting to the <laughs> end. Like, like, you want to talk about difficulty? Like, my little team of little cutie patooties I cannot take on the Dragons of the Elite Four. Yeah. <laughs> we are not I also play. I also play a metagame when I play Pokemon now, where I only female pokemon because it just oh. it's an extra challenge right um because no matter what the numbers say on you know cerebi.com or whatever the they're not 50 50 like catching female pokemon is actually quite difficult um and so yeah i can't i capture only female pokemon <laughs> interesting bold move it's yeah. interesting to say the cute pokemon are underrated because i think there's also you know the hardcore edge wants cooler darker pokemon but the cute stuff like that's that's good for toys right you think pokemon mm-hmm. is the company is getting those out front and center, right? Aren't you guys, I don't know, are they really under the radar because they're cute? It's not that they're like underrated, but that you are expected in the game to evolve them. Right. And Pokemon go through this phase where it's like in the beginning, they're really cute. Their second evolution is usually awkward puberty. And then their third evolution, they were bipedal WWE fighter. And you're like, what happened? What happened to the cat? Why is it? Si- Why does it have a belt on? What <laughs> happened to my kitty? <laughs> that is like, speaking of being blind in games, that is one of the rare treats. I think for the last couple, they haven't shown like the final evolutions uh, when the game came mm-hmm. out. And then, like not looking that up and just being like, all right, I'm locked in on Sobble. No matter where this goes, ride or die, oh, baby, let's see, go. I need to know. I need to know. Mm. I picked because- because of what Litten, what happened to Litten, I <laughs> switched teams. Like, I was like, no, no, Poplio. I literally switched teams. I was like, I love you, Litten. Poplio is so cute. handle it. I switched to Poplio. Yeah. <laughs> it's a poodle seal. Yeah, it turns into a mermaid. Like, yeah. at, least, yeah. at least I had something. Yeah, it'll do. Uh, also, uh, Tangela, I think, doesn't get its due. Especially because they finally gave it an evolution and it's freaking hideous i hate that it's a mess gross thing yeah. i don't even remember what it's called i can see it because it's in the um it's in the sword and shield dlc right and so, like it just pops up and like you're like oh yeah it's disgusting um okay nicole moment of truth question of the week yeah what's it out to you um, the one that said my name in it, the first one. <laughs> no, we can't do that. That's so lame. All right, just for some other, just for some other options. Uh, I want the one that where the person said that I had funny tweets. <laughs> Wait a minute. I want the one yeah. where somebody called me Benny Hansen and the Hansonites. So it's a three-way tie. <laughs> I like the question. Um, I think underrated one's a great question. I think that's good. I like the fan theory yeah. one. Fan theory, yeah. I like favorite food. Remakes, you know, that was a good discussion too. Yeah. Sarah, you lean in any direction here? I like the Pokemon one because I got to talk about Esper. Okay. I mean, it's the theme of the show. Nicole, what do you think? Should we give it to him? I think it, I think the answer is right in front of us. There we Let's go. Congratulations, Esper. Cyber. Question of the week. We will ship out, or I may, but more specifically, we'll ship out that Pac-Man soundtrack for you. That'll be sweet. Um, and now it's time for something we call Get a Load of This. Okay, Nicole. This is going to be confusing but do you have yeah, a factoid or a little they don't tidbit prepare you well enough for this i know i know you're throwing in the deep end wow us with a factoid please oh yeah this is fun facts yeah not about me though just a fun fact in life yeah yeah okay so um whoa 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 you maniac you absolutely have to say get a load of this before you jump into it. Or else- I haven't said that for like the past two I've done. Yeah, I've cut them out. I've turned them out of the final episode. It's just 
<laughs> you gotta do it. I'm sorry. Okay. And take two, Nicole, go. Get a little of this. Oh. I was reading um, about the trees in New Zealand, as one does at four in the morning sleep. And so a during a, some construction in New Zealand, they found these trees that were 42,000 years old. 42,000 years ago. Wait, 4,200. Thousand. Thou, not thousand. Yes. Yes. What? The tree, that's how long ago this was. So the tree, which lived 1,700 years, was preserved in this bog. And a bog is like a swamp, but less letters. Um, <laughs> and so um, it's preserved. And so they go in and they look at the rings, they look at all the information that are in these trees, and it shows that 42,000 years ago, the magnetic poles switched. They just full on switched. And so the magnetic poles, so the earth is made of iron, and the magnetic poles going around and around, and the heat and all that is creating the magnet, a, a magnetic field that's keeping us all happy in space. Sure. So when the fields, when the fields switched 42,000 years ago, it caused the weather, the climate to drastically change. And they think caused a die off of tons of major mammals. Um, so that's horrible because the poles will definitely shift again. It's just like a thing that happens. And we know that when it happens again, mammals are on the plate. So warm blood, everybody. Jesus Christ. Hey, cool. Uh, mine was a little yeah. bit lighter. Uh, I don't know if you saw this weird <laughs> stuff last week where, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, get a load of this, everybody. Dude, I was going to say, I was waiting. <laughs> Wait a minute. I was waiting. All right. Hey, get a load of this. Um, there was a podcast called The Podcast Reload, and it's in Spanish. And, uh, it, you know, I don't know if you saw this tidbit. It was on Resetera and stuff last week. But there was a former Nintendo PR person for the Spanish PR division of Nintendo um, named Olmar... Alvarez on there and that name he, sounds familiar Ooh, maybe you worked with them interesting anyways he's on this podcast and uh the weird thing is he has a terminal illness and he has four months to live which is very sad but the weird thing then is he went on this podcast and he's like hey here's a bunch of nintendo secrets what are they gonna do sue me and so he just lets it rip on this podcast nothing insane in there but he talks about how apparently there was discussion within nintendo about naming the switch the switch like w-i-i to have like we yeah to have we in the switch title in some way and then he also talks about working with kamiya from platinum and how he was a complete disaster uh to work with seems about and then of course kamiya jumps on twitter uh (laughs) and he retweets the story and then he talks about this guy and he says who the is this fishy (laughs) So, so Hey, good times. If you want some good Nintendo dirt, uh, you can check that out. The links are below. But uh, Sarah, did you have something? Yeah, get a load of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Sony recently put in a patent application for a special controller. Um, and the example they used is a banana. Nowhere, I read the patent, nowhere in the patent does it actually say it's a banana. But it said they want basically random objects to be used as a have controller functionality. And nowhere does it say banana, so I feel misled. But it is a picture of a banana. Yeah, the ones that they actually filed with the patent is just yeah, hey, was what a if, banana. What if you're holding yeah. two bananas and then those are your PSVR controllers? I mean, we've seen people use bananas as controllers. Like we saw that one guy play Overwatch and his play Winston's with bananas. <laughs> yeah, so it is true. Yeah, their phones—they're getting around. Yeah, that is such a weird thing. So it's just like you can. It, in theory, the patent then is for holding anything up to the camera yeah. and you can scan it in. 
That's a fun Something idea. like that to be used Interesting. as a controller. Okay. Yeah, I love that. But there's so many, people submit so many weird patents to just throw their competition off. Right. right. And just claim things. Because when the Switch came out, I remember the rumor was that the Switch was going to be some kind of quality of life thing that was going to like, it was going to like help you exercise and it was going to be more like integrated into your daily life. Mm-hmm. And when there was like a patent for that, and then that is not what we got. There was also a patent once for a while of like, I think a Nintendo product that would have ambient light project to the wall and like expand. And and like that kind of stuff happens with like, you know, light bars and stuff. But I remember that being like a Nintendo product that would have been rad. Right. And then I remember even before the Switch 2, there was, God, maybe it was before Wii U? I think it was Switch. But there was that weird patent for how they wanted to put screens on like uneven, weird surfaces where it's like, and then their picture was like basically having a screen on a controller where the screen was like working around the buttons and stuff like that. And so there's so many weird things. So who knows if anything will come of this, but. Remember the commercial that was like, you had a picture on your phone, this, mm-hmm. and then like it swiped to your Nintendo, like that never happened. Right, right. Um, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, Forrest L in the community discord from Max submitted that one about the patent too, but. Uh, yeah, well, it just came out like yeah. yesterday. No, no it's t- today, crazy. yesterday. Yeah. Um, but, uh, let's see in the community discord, uh, Leafeon posted, it's a news story, but it's still a good load of this. Um, that, uh, Epic bot Mediatonic, the developer of Fall mm-hmm. Guys. Saw that. I, did they release price for that? Did they come out there with anything? I didn't see him. I didn't see a number. Yeah. Uh, congratulations to that team for never having to work again. I mean, mm-hmm. my God, especially... Well. Congratulations to whoever owns that team. That's yeah. a very good way of putting it. Yeah, they mentioned that yeah. they have ballooned up to a team. I think they went from like 30 people to 150, I think, for the development team for Fall Guys. And it's an interesting time for Epic to buy them. I mean, Fall Guys is still big, I'd imagine. Right. But it's interesting that like as it's on the downswell, I wonder if they got a discount for waiting a couple months longer than you think that they would have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe they had a big pitch for what the next iteration is going to be like. Right, right. Yeah, so we'll see what comes of that. Um, hey, thank you both for joining us on the full episode here. Um, Nicole, what would you like to plug? Um, well, I'm Nicole Z on Twitter. I'm Nicole Z on Instagram. Those are my two things right now. Sweet. That's awesome. Thanks for being yeah. here. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> Sarah, what do you got? Uh, I am Sarah Pods on Twitter, where you can find my apparently funny tweets. Um, <laughs> and I am also Sarah Pods on Twitch. Uh, this Saturday, I'm going to be continuing my stream of Pokemon Coliseum. Ooh. So that's been very exciting. A little trip down memory lane. I didn't play it very well as a child. I was very bad at it. But as an adult, I'm navigating it a little bit better. <laughs> Maybe. Proud of you. <laughs> Proud of you. As yes. a kid, I w- as a kid, I didn't get it. I was like, "This isn't a Pokemon game. What is this?" So we're doing better. Nice. Did you? Um, is Gale of Darkness going to be next for you then? I don't know. People keep asking me about it. I'm like, I did not play that. It's weird. It's like I'm trying to remember. Like you don't catch Pokemon and Pokeballs. You like enshrine them in darkness. I'm trying to even remember, but it, it just it just feels like a really kind of sterile boring rpg so you gotta check mm-hmm. it out yeah <laughs> it's right up my alley please yeah <laughs> yeah um let's see for Max stuff we have the deepest dive on batman arkham asylum that is airing on wednesday of next week so if you want to play through the first half of that game and stop when you get the line launcher and submit a comment you can support us on patreon we'd be 
Happy to read your comment there. Also, Trivia Tower, our trivia show. The second episode will be in the middle of the month. If you support us in any tier, you can compete in that and win some prizes. It'll be a good time. Um, also, we have a new episode of Better Quest, our show all about getting better and setting personal monthly goals. That's going to be going live on Thursday, so look forward to that. Um, hey, to the two of you, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And it was so nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah. Um, Nicole, do you miss podcasting? Yes. Do you still do it a fair amount? What's your... You know, I haven't podcasted in a few years, but I definitely miss it. Um, I'm one of those people who listens to podcasts and then, like, answers the questions out loud to the podcast. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, def- I definitely do miss talking to people. <laughs> Would you like to ask any question and then the people at home can answer the way you do? Um, like, like the describing games for me? Never mind. This is getting too weird. Never mind. Okay. 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 The point is, thank you to everybody who supports us on Patreon at the $50 tier, like Will Cornelius, I am 8-Bit, Jawar Hello, Mercurico Toreno, Moonface Nick, Zachary Pliggy, Beat Now Brian, PrettyGoodPrinting.com, Ludwig Roque, Mark Selga, Andrew Valla, Joseph Atelli, Super Serious Sam, Thomas Hoster, Yarrow, Spiral in Your Eyes, Richard Smuts, Clint Farley, Spider Dan, Pretham Yar Legata, Clayton Myers, Starkiller, Steve Bamdad, Slick Nick, Alex Payne. Thanks so much, everybody. Be good, have fun, let's go. Yeah.